0: We've all been connected from the dawn of the radio and now, and to the golden age of television. From Silicon Valley to the internet and beyond. A shared photo, a viral video, a thought for the whole world to read in the span of 140 characters. Entertainment has evolved. The mediums have changed, but the one thing that's remained the same, the one constant, the one universal similarity is us, me, you, us here, the human connection. The feeling you get when you're surrounded by a sea of strangers, but somehow you feel like you know them all. It's that instant you realize you have something in common, that moment, that emotion, that split second when you say, man, that was awesome. Decades ago, the world saw the irresistible force meet the immovable object. And millions overcame the impossible as one. We saw a boyhood dream become reality. And together, we cried tears of joy. We saw the passing of the torch as one generation christened the next. And that generation created a once-in-a-lifetime event. All these things, these indelible moments. These benchmarks that shape our history at their core do one thing, they connect us. Tonight, these men, these women, these athletes, these larger-than-life superstars, will take the biggest stage in live entertainment. And once again, inspire us, move us, shape us, they will... Connect us. Tonight, the world will be watching. This is WrestleMania.
1: Then we get introduced to us, Travis Barker on drums, the the legendary Travis Barker on drums. That's how he's announced. Skylar Grey performs the WrestleMania theme, Rise. Uh, Then afterwards Kid Ink comes out and they all perform Money and the Power which I was less
2: excited by. Um, I really want to know what Tom's got to think about Travis Barker, because it looked like you wanted to No, I think he swear. loves Travis Barker. So I, think I, does, yeah. I think Travis Barker is the
3: greatest drummer since John Bonham, to hit the skins. Um, The fact that he's playing on this absolute boring, monotonous cowpat of a song bothers me. I hate Scarlet Grey. No, I don't, that's harsh. I just don't I think she's shit. And then <laughs> and then and then Kitty comes out who is awful as well. Truly awful. And I just thought it was I just thought it was so crap and I this one I got a bit annoyed because I as Tinky knows, I don't know if you know Steve, I'm a big hip hop fan. And yep. there are so many incredibly talented rappers from the Bay Area: E40, Too Short, Mr. Fab, Pilo, Larry June, Looney's. You could have got Belegger there. You got, you could have done like a medley. They do that a lot at the Warriors games and at the uh, 49ers and at the Giants games. They could have done that, and it would have. Been, now I know that it's not as much of a local crowd; it's more of an international crowd, and that's obviously not what they're going to. But they had so many, so many good people they could have got out there from that region who would have done it for free, and would have been such a more entertaining segment than this dog shit
1: i don't think it matters that they weren't a local crowd because regardless of the fact that i didn't i'd never heard of any of the people you just listed off i also have never heard of fucking kid ink either and he was shit so, I'd be yeah. quite happy for anybody else to have done this.
2: I really like both songs, actually, because they get me in the feels, but I think it's probably more for memory reasons. Um, I've got two questions for you, Tom, actually, and follow up to, to what you were saying. One, are you going to see Blink? Are you going to see Blink? I don't know what happened to me there. Are you going to see Blink in October when they tour the UK? No, no. I, I probably would like to, but I've got more important things to spend my money on. Like yeah. a second child. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I haven't got tickets, but I am vaguely considering the Thursday night if I could get something. It'd be not fun. Too it'd, be, it'd, be,
3: it'd be a, it'd be a lot of fun to go because mm. i do like their blink when as well
2: do you watch the kardashians no because i was gonna say travis barker now is probably most famous for just he all him and uh courtney kardashian do is snog each other's faces off really erotically but in front of their family members it's just really really <laughs> weird This like this like really cool guy that's in this band that i've loved for or really liked since say loved for a long time is now just his caricature on a reality tv show which is a bit sad really yeah, no, he, he come, I, I think he kind of
3: lost, to be fair, quite rightfully so, but I think he lost his mind a little bit after that horrific cr- plane crash that he nearly died in, so I, I, I do not surprise me that he's a bit weird. I don't think I even know about this. What was this? Him and, uh, okay, <laughs> this is a lovely tangent to go on to, him and another D- a DJ called DJ AM were in a plane crash about, well, probably about 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Really? Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, he literally jumped out of the plane <laughs> and survived, what? like it kind of blew up on the runway or something like that. Really? So it was really? Yeah, yeah. So that's why whenever they they whenever they do like tours and stuff, he, does, he, do, he doesn't fly anymore. Understandably so. But I think he may have
2: gone a bit mad after that. Which so I, how's I he get... going to get to the UK? Is he going to get by boat? Is he really going to travel by boat? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What the hell? I don't know. I did not know this. A couple of things there. So first
1: of all, Tom, you did announce it on uh, the Pro Wrestling Moments, but you haven't actually made it official on our podcast yet what you said a moment ago. So I don't know if you wanted to just... Uh... Sort of go into a little tiny bit more detail
3: oh yeah uh in january i'm expecting another daughter i need to, names in the suggestion box please because obviously my first one is called shinsky nakamura but tinkies is rick boogs who was Shinsuke's tag team partner so i need <laughs> another tag team partner of shinsky nakamura that anybody can throw to me for a name suggestion so that would be appreciated
1: cool and the other thing was that you said about travis barker being a cool guy from a from a band and i was like i'm not sure they're cool anymore i mean it was a good over 20 years ago, when they were actually cool. Let's be let's be honest.
2: I've got breaking news: Travis Barker is flying again.
1: Oh, wow!
3: That's
2: good to know. Cool. Yeah.
3: Jesus! <laughs> breaking news! On that random <laughs> I can report that Shawn moguls has left the building. <laughs>
2: amazing is he is he flying right now is that why I don't know if he's flying right now but according to this article in 2021 he flew again so it's not really breaking but <laughs> there we go
1: cuz
3: to, to all the listeners tune in for the latest the latest hollywood gossip at the random wrestling review <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome to the Random Wrestling Review We are today covering Wrestlemania 31 And I don't have a special intro set up Because I spent the last few minutes Before I came on to record this particular pod Getting the apparatus in place For us to be able to do a recording of the game Straight after And I didn't have anything So I had to get it in very quickly So there's no special intro We're just going straight in today So on that note Welcome, Tom Smith.
3: Hello, how is everyone doing today? Everyone good? Great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're not gonna let us answer, You're just gonna answer for us. Do you know
2: what I don't really care?
1: That's fair, that's fair, I don't give a fuck either. <laughs>
2: Stephen, how are you? Average, I've got COVID round four, but I'm feeling better seeing both of your faces. And Tom, twice in the space of seven days it's not even seven days, what is it? Six days? Six I know. six days? Podcast together. It's just at every man's dream. <laughs> every man's dream. And I can see your hair, which Alex was talking about on the podcast. A week yeah. or so, last week. he never seen your hair before. No, and he still hasn't. That's kind of what I've done. No, he's not you, you should keep it from him. Anytime you're with him, just put that cap on. Never let him see it. wonder what his expectations are.
3: <laughs> imagine imagine if all along I am actually bald. Yeah. And controlling uh, <laughs> an old, old man shit. for all these years.
1: <laughs> you do wear hats a lot, like caps in particular, a lot. So what would you say, 50% of the time? more
3: than that much more i give these days not going into the office i guess say a high 70
1: i was going to say not going into the office is probably the the extra yeah the thing on top of that yeah because uh, like
3: th- when we used to meet up like say for example if we'd meet up in town or whatever after it'd usually be after work wouldn't it so
2: it'd be a case of i'd still have my work hair on <laughs> <laughs> do you find it comfortable when you're chilling out of home wearing a cap then that's that's the bit that would put me off i think yeah, I mean I think people find it a bit strange if I'm being honest. But I did hmm. yeah, I just I do the only problem is I do get quite hot
3: sometimes. The last yeah. couple of weeks have been have been quite difficult. But it's either a case of getting sunburnt or having a slightly hot head. And I'd rather yeah. have a slightly hot head. I went to a, a chicken just, wing festival that. the other week and I it was on Saturday, which I think was the hottest day of the year, and uh a hat
2: was disgusting. I was tempted to throw it out at the end of the day. Probably so hot sad. head that day and a very hot bum hole the next day, I'd imagine. Oh mate, that's so awful. I reckon eight eight <laughs> shits, I think, the following day. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> I remember when I was when I was still dating my now wife, uh, she lived in a place with a flatmate, and I had to walk past the living room where she sat to go to the toilet. And the night before we played a drinking game with hot wings, and it must have been eight visits, and it and the smell was ungodly. And I like had to walk past like the first time you say hello, it's like the second time you see, you don't have to say hello, but you're like mm-hmm. walking in there, like unleashing pure f- back to the bedroom, plays at that beer, but it wasn't it. Yeah. Bad old times.
1: That's like the extreme version of seeing the same person on the street multiple times. That is just like, oh you have yeah. to get up multiple times during the night and go <laughs> past the person and say, Oh, sorry, I'm off again. That's so so awful. The,
3: there's there's a cafe around the corner from where I where I live in in a little part of Bristol called Bedminster. There's a cafe called Zena's. I've been going in there for about two years now and I've become very friendly with the owner. I have no idea what his name is. And I'm quite com- and I've been told he's told me once, and someone else who works there has told me, but it's got to the stage now where it's gone on too long. But I was comforted by the fact that he doesn't know my name now. After said chicken wing festival that I just mentioned, I was a bit half cut, and I just walked. I walked past it, and I was like, Do you know, what? this this has got to end. No, I was like, this is <laughs> this, this is over. So I walked over and I was like, sorry, mate. Listen, I know this is mad, but we we known each other for like two years. What is your name? He told me his name, and in a stroke of genius, I then texted my wife his name on there. So if you are a listener, shouts to Meddy. He's a good lad. makes wonderful pizzas. But yeah, it was uh, that was one of those moments where I was just like, it's gone on for too long now. I've been living this life for too long
1: well going back I'm going to circle back to a few things now so first of all going back to the cap thing the other thing Tom has a tendency to do is he'll be sat there on a sofa watching telly and he'll just quite regularly just start throwing his cap up in the air and, and catching it like he just does it all the time the other thing is circling back even further is that actually we got that conversation off and running when you said Stephen oh it's twice in a week or twice in six days as it was but he didn't provide any context so I thought I'd do it for you because obviously yourself oh, Tom, old man and Alex were on uh, the program wrestling moments podcast last week very fun it was very good i was i was i was warmed by the fact they genuinely did feel like Stephen, you were trying to kind of herd cattle and and having no luck whatsoever in that endeavor so that was that was really that was really kind of touching for me to see someone else go through it but yes they were what was it, um, episode nine of the final year? Is that right? Yes, or...
2: episode nine. That's right. Correct. Nailed it. How two, that... two big old bleeps for old man in the episode <laughs> yes. as well. Yeah,
1: there were. Yeah. And, and I was a bit disappointed, not just because I didn't think you needed to bleep them out, but also I, I felt like it was very, it wasn't obvious what they'd said, what he'd said when, when you bleeped them out.
2: Yeah, I, um, I, I yeah, I didn't, I, I felt like both of them were maybe a tiny bit too far, basically. So, uh, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm pretty sure old man said that on this podcast before and we've left it in. Um, but I don't
2: mind because this is your baby, Ben. So you can leave him whatever you want. But whereas when it's my baby, I did feel a little bit bad about it. Uh, I didn't feel <laughs> so bad about the second one, but um, I didn't want to make it too much on that subject, given what had happened. Well, uh, you'll have to leave- I was most guilty for, so yeah. Yeah.
1: If you don't know what we're talking about, you'll have to go back and listen to pro, pro wrestling moments from last week. As I said, a number of the IWR crew were on with Stephen. I was not. I was not able to uh, join them, but they were. They were in good hands. I wouldn't say safe hands with Stephen. <laughs>
3: and, and also, and also, don't listen to that one. Listen to the entire back catalogue as well, mm. but not at the expense hundred- of hundred
2: hours. <laughs> 197 episodes now
3: apparently it's something mad like 96% of podcasts don't make it past the
2: third so
3: yeah, we're yeah. absolutely battering them at the moment yeah Little scottish slugs
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's another in joke from that episode so again if you don't oh understand God, it you yeah. need to go back and listen to it so we are covering today wrestlemania 31 see this is how easy it goes we go off into tangents now, i don't mind the tangents so much um, i did feel like Stephen was getting a bit pissed off for your tangents last week um
2: <laughs> no i didn't mind him i didn't mind him but i just thought i want to try and get this up this evening uh, carry carry on podcasting again there but yes i was just like this needs to just, just be uh just be over now but i love i absolutely loved it it was such good fun it's the most fun i've had doing one for ages so yeah, thanks all. Thanks oh, to everyone else. That's a else.
1: dig at your other co-hosts, isn't it? Oh. No,
2: no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, they don't listen to it, Tom, so you don't know it, will they? <laughs> no, it's just, it's just different. It was different because it was it was like you saying, Ben. I didn't know what you... Like some of the others that I've done lots of podcasts with, it's 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 like, I don't know how to say it. I mean, obviously, I've done more with Ben and, and Matt. It's predominantly the RWIs that I've done. But we've probably only done two or three together. Whereas people like Dan, like it's just you, you kind of know you, you, you're it's great fun but in a different way but the fun the fun that was with the, that one was that i didn't know what was coming so it was really unexpected all the time so yeah that it was really great just cut all of that out ben cut it all out <laughs> yeah, it i did such
1: out. a good do- i did such a good job plugging it and now you're just bringing everybody down like oh yeah don't just just cut, it to out. just cut talking. the whole thing out basically
2: <laughs> i much refer to so you guys and all of the people i've known for much longer so there we go <laughs>
1: So WrestleMania thirty one, I think this is going to be an interesting one. Tom, I know that you've got to shoot off for a, a little bit of time. So what I thought I'd do is get your expectations in first. What were your expectations for WrestleMania thirty one?
3: Bang. Expectations. So there are certain things I can remember about this WrestleMania, having watched it at the time, but I don't think I've ever watched it since. There there was a couple of things in this in, in my first ever watch, or my only watch up, up to this point of this WrestleMania that really, really boiled my piss. And I was wondering, my main thing that I was interested in was to see if I would still be as annoyed at two specific moments that I really, really hated in in the first watch round. Other than that, I I was kind of weirdly looking forward to the aesthetics of it being outside and in the bright daylight as well. Because I can remember at the time thinking that it really stood out. So... Yeah, I was looking forward to the weather and to seeing whether or not I was going to get really pissed off by two things. So that was my expectations going into it.
1: If you were looking forward to the weather, then you should hang on because I'm sure Stephen will have a full report of what uh, took place and uh, what time the sun came that went down and everything else. Because usually he manages that sort of stuff, and he was there, especially when he's yes. there, he usually manages it.
2: Yeah, I I can probably just remember it. I mean, I <laughs> I uh, this was one of the shows I was really hoping that I was going to be on because genuinely no. Like exaggeration. This is this is probably still top five best days of my life. It might have been the best day of my life up to this point. It was such a good day. It was so much fun. It was just incredible. It'd been six years since I'd last been to WrestleMania. My life had changed massively. I'd got out of an absolutely dreadful, dreadful relationship, thank thankfully. Met someone else. She'd agreed to come with me on this incredible trip down the west coast. So it was just it was just phenomenal. I, I loved it. I Ben, I know you had a big old stonk on over what WrestleMania 24 looked like, but This just, just the opening segments of this and just seeing the crowd, the clear blue sky. This is the best stadium I've ever been in. This was just, just phenomenal, just a phenomenal, phenomenal day. And I really was looking forward to watching it again. Where did you, where did you go on this West Coast road trip? So we started in San Francisco, um, went down to, where was this? So we stayed in, in, where is, San Jose is where Dave Meltzer is, isn't it? And this is in Santa Clara, just a bit north of this. So then went down from there to Anaheim, did like Universal Studios and stuff back up to LA uh, and then across. uh oh, sorry, we stayed, stayed in Santa Barbara for one night as well before we came down and then went across to Vegas. So did all that in two weeks, went to baseball in LA. It was just brilliant. Yeah. Really, really good. He basically picked
3: up where I finished because I drove down from Seattle oh, from Portland. Sorry, all the way down through Northern did California, it? down, to, down to San Francisco. But one, one thing I was going to ask, because it looks lovely, but well, this thing is so fucking bored. Look at the uh, travel tales with Tom and Steve. <laughs> I, I, I knew. I'm, a
1: minute you said you were there, and the minute you started talking about your holiday, I was like, fuck, Tom's going to get on his fucking travel <laughs> high horse, the can. <laughs> um did you, did you,
3: because the weather looked lovely, but I, when I went to San Francisco in, like, May, it was fucking freezing.
2: It was really yes. cold and horrible. Yeah, so we had a tour the... Thought whatever we get in so we took we had a tour on the friday which was cold but this was this was inland and quite far south mm. and it was probably i would guess it was 24 degrees oh, but as you notice know, on the thing everyone was in the sun but when we sat down we were the hard camera side. So my legs were in the sun as we sat down, but the rest of me was in the shade and it was the shade the whole time. So that was brilliant. Because it was like perfect shade temperature for you know get, getting some drinks, just sitting there. And because we were that side as well, and they, they weren't any more expensive seats, But it was almost like the luxury kind of executive side, if that makes sense. So you went upstairs and it had this bar that was like the whole length of the kind of inside the stadium and everything you could possibly want. And it was so well stuffed You literally wandered up two vodka, diet coats, a couple of beers, whatever you wanted, cocktails. Literally within seconds, you'd get your drink and you'd be back down again. It was unbelievable. Like The facilities were insane. It was such a good I mean, it was pretty much brand. I think the Super Bowl was there the year after. It was pretty much brand new. So, yeah, phenomenal.
1: Good stuff, guys. Well, that was really fun. I don't know how much of that I'll leave in. Fuck it, now It wasn't as interesting as um, Alex's breakdown of MetLife Stadium that we had on, on uh, last the last episode. So you know, we'll see. So Russ, for me, this is I- I'm I was really looking forward to this one. This is one of the few that I had. I'd really kind of been looking ahead to because, not necessarily because I thought it was amazing, but because my experience of watching this show is so very different from what it would normally be. I wasn't there, like Stephen, but that was normal for him to be there, to be honest, by this point. But ordinarily, I would be with Tom and Old Man, and we'd be probably at Tom's house and we'd be watching it with other people as well, probably, and probably also being a little bit negative, I think, in general, at, the, at this particular time. Like, I, I remember. WrestleMania 30, I can remember sitting there and not really paying a huge amount of attention to it whilst we were watching it, like just kind of just drinking and having fun and chatting and whatnot. And instead, because this was smack dab in the middle of my time at WrestleTalk, I was in London and I was at the WrestleMania viewing party at Walkabout that year because I had to record uh, a review of the show. For the following week's television, and they had to do it on the Monday because they had to, you know, to edit it and send it off to to Sky to get it go through clear clearance and everything else. So for me, this was quite unique in that respect, the the, the watching of it. And I remember speaking to you, Tom, the day after the show. And you given a very, very negative review of it in general, like really disliking it. I think, you know, I I describe it as a sort of two or two, maybe a four out of 10 review, if you like. Not that you gave me a number, but like it was really like quite negative. And having watched it where I watched it in this sort of quite big walkabout with probably, I don't know, four or five hundred people, I imagine, at the same time. I don't know exactly how many people were there who were really up for it, where there was a great atmosphere. I enjoyed it mightily and I get I would have given it at that sort of time an eight out of 10 kind of review. And then I, f- and I thought about it. And I, I, I imagined that if I'd watched this at home on my own, I'd have probably fallen somewhere between the two. But I haven't gone back and watched it since. So I have a memory of this being very enjoyable at the time. But you may remember, Stephen, one of the first conversations we had when I was on your podcast about two years ago maybe even longer ago now was um about you there are two different types of people there are people who are Wrestlemania 30 people and there are people who are Wrestlemania 31 people and these two shows are very very different in my view in terms of how they're presented how they're booked the ways in which they've been pulled together and and, and put out to the world and that's been partially informed by the fact that I over time found myself believing this wasn't a very good show but that isn't necessarily as a consequence of my initial kind of viewing of it. It was just retrospectively I gradually came to dislike it more.
3: Hmm. The one thing that I also was quite looking forward to finding out over the course of the show is I remember a Randy Orton entrance with where it looked like he was walking down the ramp and there was like loads of sperm going down it. I don't know if you guys can remember <laughs> that. And I was very much looking forward to seeing if this was if this was that uh that WrestleMania.
1: So for the next little bit of time, we've we've lost Tom, which is going to be myself and Stephen. Uh, Stephen, I thought you might be interested now, and this will be on about a par of interest with your travel stories. This is my, <laughs> I think, my fifth or fourth notebook now I am entering into on the podcast. I Lovely. had to emergency buy a couple of additional notebooks when I realised that the last one was nearly done. And I this, still
2: can't believe that you'd write it. It astonishes me.
1: I think it's because uh, I'm struggling to know why it is, actually. I think, I just think there's something relatively unnatural about me sat at my desk to watch mm. the shows and that's what i think is the problem i want to sit in the living room as i would do if i was just enjoying a wrestling show i don't want to be at my desk it makes more it makes it more work that it feels more like work when i'm sat at my desk and i'm typing out notes and i've got it on the computer screen it just doesn't it just doesn't do the same thing for me I like it on the tv and that and now i don't really want the laptop on my lap so i just thought yeah no i'll 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 write the the notes and then also that provides the additional entertainment of actually not being able to read them back and therefore coming up with something ridiculous.
2: Do you want a really boring look behind the curtain that you can you can edit out if you want to?
1: Oh, do I ever go for it.
2: So, when I'm watching UWF I always watch that at a computer on the desk and type it out because I have to type out more like like you do. You're the yeah. narrator for these shows. I've got a little laptop. Do- lap, lap, laptop? I've got a little laptop. I've got a little laptop desk thing that i can sit on the sofa watching it which is which actually is quite good so i just lift that on and off but you don't have to take up you don't have to take so many notes in this in the in the color commentator role so i do do what do that but i can't write that much actually ben because when i was 11 a bad bad man when i was playing football in goal stepped on my hand dislocated my thumb my my bottom thumb bone came up right through the skin and ever since that I've got a bit of arthritis even though I'm only 41 I've got a bit of arthritis in my thumb even wiggling it around now for you to demonstrate it hurts a bit so I can't I don't like to write very much really so yeah hence why typing is always a better option for me
1: I think that's fair I think that's a fair uh, excuse for it now I mean like I, it's probably ridiculous and to be honest I don't need to take anywhere near the amount of notes that I take I I've just got into this habit now where I just take copious amounts of notes so like I'll show you on screen you won't see see this for the listeners, but that's two pages worth and that only covers the first two matches
2: yeah that is a lot of notes
1: (laughs) it's ridiculous it doesn't need i don't need to take that amount of notes but i just i just i've got into this habit now of doing it and and so yeah i can't and i can't stop i've tried i've actually physically tried to sit there and not take as many (laughs) notes and i and i manage it for about half a match and then i then I go back to normal.
2: We're about to go into the five hour WrestleManias as well, which is going to be. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean,
1: no, I mean, I'm not. That is something I'm, I am concerned by. But thankfully, there aren't huge amounts of them because they moved to the two nights,
2: yeah. which will
1: definitely help. I thought this was going to be the first one of them, actually, because I would I misremembered it a little bit. So, yeah, this one, this WrestleMania 31 is, is very interesting to me. Now, I guess we should start with talking points wondering whether to go first. see, yeah, there's Tom's there. Why don't you go first, Stephen?
2: I haven't I haven't decided what I want to talk about actually, Ben. So if, if okay. you've got one that you definitely want to talk about, then uh, the floor is yours.
1: Well, I'm I'm kind of like you because I actually this this one I was like there's so there really is a lot to talk about. It's kind of mm. the antithesis for me of WrestleMania 28. There's just a lot to talk about. I think I will go for something a little bit mundane to start with, and that is what you touched upon, the stadium, the mm. stadium itself because about the, after about the first match, I kind of looked in and I was like, "God, oh, this is weird." Like it's, it's weird. It's a complete daytime sunshine, you know, as bright as you like, WrestleMania nine style in terms of the, the just the time of the day that this was at. I think they said it started at like four in the afternoon or something. I, I think I heard them say on the commentary.
2: It would have been yeah, four four p.m. Yeah, yeah, seven o'clock Eastern. Yeah.
1: So that that was kind of strange, but I really liked it. Not necessarily because I thought it looked amazing, but I am a massive fan of when wrestling venues look different from one another. Big time, yeah. So the last... Obviously, the last 20 years or so, and this isn't WWE's fault. This is just Lego set arena buildings fault, basically. All those kind of same arenas being spun up everywhere all over the country and all over the world, quite frankly. They all look the same. So you watch any any episode of Raw or any episode of SmackDown, they look exactly the same. Because WWE is so good at their own production for a start. They've got their set and everything perfectly mapped out pristine and then on top of that you've got these like lego set arena kind of things and they just all you just look the same and i remember i think it's later on in this year actually 2015 wwe went to japan and did the beast in the east show yeah and i remember the thing that really stood out to me straight away was oh it looks so much different it looks great like it and it just makes everything suddenly feel more interesting because the whole thing looks different it doesn't feel like you're looking at the same thing you've been looking at for 20 years it's actually different so that's why i loved it i was just like wow it's, it just looks different it just looks vibrant more interesting it, it it's kind of a strange feeling i i got it to like i've never been to a festival for example a music festival and i don't really want to go mainly because i don't want to have to deal with the toilets and the mud and <laughs> stuff like that i'm, I'm quite a I'm quite a creature comforts type person but also, there is a thing about watching bands in the daytime just doesn't mm. feel right to me, doesn't seem doesn't feel like it would work. And this is kind of the same sort of thing. Watching wrestling in the day almost is a bit weird, doesn't really feel right. But I did enjoy just the the fact they look different. Second part of the stadium talk, much shorter. So I understand that this was built in 2016 or 2014 or something that's when the 49ers moved there i think which was a disappointment for me because i had to look it up because before that i found that out i was like oh is this the stadium that was nearly blown up in the film the rock um and unfortunately no it's not and that was disappointing to me. What so was, that was, that was really stadium? Well, it was also the, the old 49 Old 49ers, right, okay, yeah. It's definitely, it was in San Francisco, because The Rock is set on Alcatraz, so it's oh, obviously... I have seen it,
2: I'm afraid. Oh, man. Sorry. oh. I'm sorry. Well, honest,
1: honestly, <laughs> honestly, like, I've, I've got to say this now, I've got to say this. The Rock, the best action film that's ever been made. Okay, okay. It is phenomenal like I watched it for the first time when I was 12 I think or 13 and I was instantly like this it was the first film I ever like the first adult film I ever loved I was like wow that was incredible and I've you know you get as you get older you get get cynical about oh that's probably not as good as I thought it was you know that's just it's probably just like a bit like any other action film it's not it's fucking incredible it is an absolutely immense film that I absolutely urge you to find and watch whatever you put can. it on
2: the list yeah we'll do. So do i was gonna say with regards to like i agree so much i used to think about this in the pandemic a lot with like an aew pay-per-view I'm just like just change the just change the camera around and do something a bit different and i think there's a big argument for that now with dynamite doing such drawing so such small numbers just mix it up go and do a remember wcw used to be so good when it, it would go to Club La Vela or something, and these Monday night uh, night shows at Spring Break. Just yeah. go and do something a bit different. Go and go and do a Dynamite in a thousand seat night, like thousand seats nightclub, and just have a, this absolutely rabid crowd, and just mix it up and do do some different things rather than going in the cavernous NBA arenas where. It's all dark and you can't shoot in certain directions because there's no one there. I completely agree. Anything that looks different in wrestling. But now all we get is actually WWE with some of the pay-per-view stuff is a bit better now because they've worked out actually it's better to sell another thousand tickets at $250. So we're going to take away the stage like at the O2 for Money in the Bank. There's only a tiny little walk when I really like that because I think that's kind of more akin to sort of big boxing and big UFC where it's all about Let's just get as many people like create the atmosphere as possible. So yeah, I think I think that's a massive thing. Rather than the identikit big screen to the left, the cameras there, bowl, etc. So yeah, no, I completely agree. I thought it looked great.
1: Well, I mean, I don't know, I don't know about the logistics. I don't know if this is pop- possible. But even just filming it from a different angle, like you said, maybe maybe a lot of these places you can't do it because you know you don't want to expose the fact that there's no one there, and that's yeah. happened a lot recently on Dynamite. You've seen a lot of kind of, and I think WWE also. You can see a lot of times where the hard cam there's literally no one on the hard cam side except for the first three or four rows but there's no reason why you couldn't just change that round like for example if you had the camera facing the entrance just have the hard cam that's side just don't allocate tickets there i mean it's, it's yeah no no different is it it's exactly the same principle surely so maybe there maybe there are genuine legitimately legitimate media reasons why you can't do it like for example they've probably got media suites in the same side but yeah, yeah. at the same time like come on like can do something but they definitely i think one of the other reasons WWE have changed a lot recently is that i can remember like one event this year the, the aisle just looked completely different it looked really really strange out of bending it and everything and just like that makes things look better and more interesting because yeah it just it just feels different and i think with AEW, for example. Obviously AEW is quite a. It is different. It is a an alternative to WWE, but there are certain things that AEW insist on doing simply because they've seen WWE be doing it for so yeah. long. And one of them is we have to have the same set every single week and it has to look exactly the same. And it really doesn't. And they can no. really differentiate themselves by making it different.
2: Did you see? Um, have you seen any of All In, Ben, in terms of looking at what what Wembley looked like at all? Have you had a chance to have a look at that at, at all yet? I,
1: I did because it was on ITV4 about four years. Um I got to be honest, I didn't watch for very long. I <laughs> didn't interest me at all. No, that's no, fine. But uh, but I did see it, and I was a bit. It was a bit slim back, wasn't it?
2: It was really strange. I, I, so we were quite low, and I I got in there, and I was really underwhelmed because you couldn't see the eye and they made such a mistake by having. Where the where the aisleway was, if you want to have the aisleway there, just shoot at it and have people like WrestleMania 10, shoot at the aisleway and have the people either side have a slightly narrower entranceway so you've got the ringsiders, and have people above the entrance. But they didn't do that. They had all these what would be the really the prime seats right above the entranceway, looking right down in the ring. Where we were sat at Classic Cast actually was right around the aisleway there, which is a similar sort, of, sort of thing. They didn't shoot at it. But I just thought I thought that the the staging for the um all in was such a miss. It just looked just look odd and the embarrassing thing now that attendance has come out now that it wasn't it wasn't 81000 it was 72 so yeah i'm glad i bought a t-shirt that eighty one thousand. will osprey got a tattoo that's eighty one thousand, 81 000 so yeah, it's I not know. as bad as that <laughs> yeah what, a stupid what an twat. idiot what a stupid i know, I know, I know.
3: like one of those guys who has like you know man city champions league winners 2012 <laughs> tattooed on their body somewhere yeah, i mean what yeah one.
1: what an idiot i mean look i i said well I, I said it i think it was on the show two weeks ago i was like to matt don't assume that that was right just because they said it was like WWE lie all the time there's no reason why AEW wouldn't lie as yeah. well I've, I've said it many times about football teams they lie I know they lie I've seen it in action like it's definitely a case that they lie Tom's now returned as you may have heard um and sorry Tom we went on a bit of a tangent there my talking point was how this stadium looked different from what you usually see because in the day um and you you touched upon it in your your expectations
3: Yeah, I love the way it looks as well. I think the stage looks absolutely phenomenal. I think it gives a real different aesthetic to the entire show. And I think it's great. One thing I did actually want to ask, I didn't ask you this, Stephen, last week about your your seats uh, at Wembley at All In. It looked like there was a huge gap. Between the first tier and or the first like you know batch of seats and then where you are, with a bloody yeah. horrible crane in the middle, and it just it felt to me that that I I mean obviously you can be the judge better than I will but I can remember thinking that thinking that feels like you're miles
2: away from it but is that just because of the perspective of the camera or yeah okay so we were too low I think if that boom camera hadn't been there I think where Matt was sat was probably about perfect because I think he was about ten or fifteen rows behind us. We were far enough right, but anyone in the middle, that boom camera is in your way the whole time. And again, I don't know why that's there. That's people that have spent two hundred pounds on a ticket. That boom camera should not be there. That, that that doesn't give you so much in terms of angles that it should it should really hurt the um you know the the live attendance. What they've done is the first three rows off the pits. They didn't sell those tickets because the ring most of the the events over time at stadiums like the Tokyo Dome and WrestleMania. Um, Summer '92. The ring is higher on the floor, so it's on a on a platform. But the ring at All In wasn't on a platform, so actually we struggled to see the ring floor. You could just about see it six rows up at Wembley, so that's why they couldn't. Then there was two rows in front of us that were sold, and then three rows that weren't. But they weren't tarped off very well, so lots of seats you could see. So just I just think they did such a sloppy job with that with that setup. On some of the wide shots down the end, that was pretty much full. It looked good, but the rest of it, I'm just like, you don't. Re- I guess it was their first stadium show. You don't really know what you're doing here. And, it, and I thought it showed.
1: I, 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 I will say I was being a bit harsh when I said I wasn't interested. I, I did I did watch about, I think, maybe an hour and a half, two hours of it. I, I watched quite a bit. I watched at least three or four matches. But I didn't actually watch them. I didn't pay any attention to them. Yeah. That was the problem. And I got to the point where it was FTR versus the Young Bucks. I was like, right, I want to pay attention to this. So it's going off now because I'm not paying attention yeah. to it at all. And I've not gone back because it feels too long ago now. So- Don't get me wrong.
2: It was a, it was a, very, good, it was a very good show, a very fun show. Um, But there's... There's bits and pieces that are wrong with it. If if you look at you know cold light of day after the you know the, all the strong feelings of being at a show when we stayed in, being around your mates, all that etc. There, there were definitely some some nitpicks in that. Nit, nick, nick, nitpicks, nitpicks is what I'm looking for. And the other thing as well, like cause I I knew it was on ITV4.
3: and I've been meaning to go ahead and watch it, but I get onto my TV, sorry, ITV Plus or ITVX, whatever the fucking app's called, and just get onto Gordon Gino and Fred the Road Trip, and I can't. Not watch that because because <laughs> I love it. So, <laughs> on oh, so just to bring it full so I'm sorry. We will talk. I will talk about this wrestling event at some point soon. But I just wanted to qualify. Uh, qualify, yeah, I guess so. That I have not had the Spanish language issue with the WWE Network, but uh. unlike Tinky, I do not cast it from my phone. I use the WWE Network app on Apple TV, which is still absolute shit and it's crap. And if you try to go out of the match that you're watching or the event that you're watching, it kicks you out of the the app entirely which is really frustrating if like me you accidentally put on payback 20 whatever this year 2023 about six times because the interface is so slow and rubbish so no spanish language issues but plenty of bugs
1: need to go but everyone needs to go to the phone the phone <laughs> app is fine it's not a problem whatsoever it's much easier to navigate it's perfect i had to I watch mean, the main
2: I... event with my phone because it because mine was a nightmare on lg again but it was german this time rather than spanish though <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah so that was my talking point. Let's go to Stephen.
2: Yours. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna cop out a little bit here. Intercontinental title ladder match was starting, and and I must say this made me feel very old. Because I don't feel like in my mind and my soul that this this actual show is that long ago, but it actually it really is. Mm. And the thing that made me feel like it was really old was some of the people in this match. You've got Brian Dennis and Daniel Bryan, Wade Barrett, who feels like he hasn't wrestled for an eternity. Cody Rhodes as Stardust, which blew my mind. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. And obviously you've got Luke Harper and Dean Ambrose as well. So it was just like... I, I couldn't believe it. And I just thought, crikey, what a what a what a time capsule for, for lots of people that have you know gone in loads of different directions. And I just I thought I was quite astonished, um, astonished by that, really, in terms of that. I, I don't even know. What's my talking point there? Yeah. It was just weird that all these people and I haven't done a great job of that talking point, to be honest.
1: Do you genuinely not remember Stardust, or are you just exaggerating for effect?
2: No, no. I went, okay, so so I rem- obviously remember this really really well, and I remember that it was a ladder match, but I didn't remember who was coming out, so I didn't I, I didn't have any I didn't have. Sometimes I have the observer and stuff open, but I didn't bother doing that this time. So I, I literally when he came out, I was like, I couldn't I, I genuinely was shocked that this was the era when Cody Rhodes was playing that character. But then I thought about it in my mind. And I thought, well, actually, I think I saw him at York Hall and maybe. Back into 2017. So it is about it is about right when you think about the, the timeline. Because obviously, I guess he left WWE at some point in 2016, did he, I presume? It wasn't too too far off this so maybe 2015. But yeah, I just found it really, really astonishing.
1: So this is the opening match of the night. It's a ladder match for the Intercontinental title, which is at the time. Hang on, scrambling for my notes. It was held t- <laughs> by
2: Wade Barrett, I believe. <laughs> Thank you. It was held by
1: Bad News Barrett, in fact, when he was doing that particular gimmick. And uh, he defends against Daniel Bryan, Dolph Ziggler, Stardust, Luke Harper, R-Truth and Dean Ambrose. The match is won by Daniel Bryan when he and Dolph Ziggler are trading headbutts on top of the ladder. And then Bryan wins out with that and about to become the Intercontinental Champion.
2: Stephen? Someone had a sign that read Ziglar is WWE and I, I mean, I don't like to cast aspersions on my fellow members of the wrestling family hashtag, but what on earth inspired someone to write that? I mean, what a what a sad cunt I, um, I think they misspelt the word shit <laughs> it's terrifically wrong <laughs> uh, yeah um, and I also hate to single out someone for their standard of wrestling I mean obviously I've been doing that for 15 years on Twitter and four years on podcasts a so clue that's a lie but um, prior to Luke Harper powerbombing Dean Ambrose almost to death through a ladder on the outside, I thought the future John Mox's work was really iffy. And he's just like a caricature in this match. Like, he ran over to someone and started doing some punches like he was in a cartoon. And just like... This guy is dog shit. I don't know why anyone likes him, basically. We've seen so many ladder matches now and uh, that one is almost indistinguishable from the other. Although I kind of like this, if I'm honest. And I hope, albeit I hope the headbutt secret you talked about was worked rather than skull on skull, given Brian's issues soon thereafter. I thought the crowd were in it and I thought it was the right winner. And there was definitely an attempt after this show to elevate their um, secondary title. So, yeah, this worked for me. I thought this was a pretty good start.
3: Uh, Yeah, I I, I agree with that point. I'm going back on to some of the notes about people coming through. I fucking love, I love me some stylists. I'm a big I'm a big Stardust guy. I'll take Stardust over the American Nightmare any day.
1: I take the Stardust music over his current music. Oh. I fucking love that music. It's quality. Yeah.
3: And and did you see, did you guys happen to notice the guy in the incredible Stardust cosplay who was, you could directly see through almost the entire show. Is all, every now and again, he'd stand up and do like the Stardust sign. And no, sit I back didn't down. see that. It was tremendous. It was absolutely amazing. And one <laughs> of the reasons I think why I really like Cody is, as Stardust is because I listened to a podcast, a far inferior wrestling podcast to the one that I'm on these days. But they interviewed him, and he was in character the entire time, and it was phenomenal. Our truth doesn't rap when he comes down, which I thought was a bit unusual. He, which is you, you know, kind of all he's got, isn't it? <laughs> um, cheated. Yeah, he did. He did cheat. And Dean Ambrose's music is so awful as well. Not only is everything about. De- <whistles> Fuck off. It's rubbish. And I was <laughs> I, as I was watching this match, like because there's the, the first bit of I hate Dean Ambrose, I think he's shit, and I don't think that much higher about John Moxley either. There's like one of the spots that happens in every Aladdin match where people like there's one person or two people fight outside the ring, one person does a suicide dive, then they slowly get up, and then another person does a suicide dive, blah blah blah. blah. And then after all that happens, then <laughs> Dean Ambrose, and said Darren Ambrose then, why wow, that was a, a flashback. Um he does a really crap elbow drop off the top ladder onto everyone while they're standing up and i was like they're like the lunatic fringe i'm like no he's not he's just jumped on people with a crap elbow it's awful and at this point i thought to myself would i rather have and i'm gonna put this to you guys as well would i rather have dean ambrose's hair at this point or have to walk around always wearing luke harper's dirty vest
2: oh dean ambrose's hair definitely Really? Definitely. Yeah. Albeit, I did see Luke Harper at an ice hockey game a few, a few days after this, and he wasn't wearing that vest. So he
1: left it in the ring.
2: Yeah. What about you, Tinky? What are you going for? Dean number's uh, hair or yeah? I, I'm going
1: to go for the I'm going to go for the hair. I don't wear vests. Come on, I don't wear I don't wear vests. That you could nice. think of yeah, but
3: I'm, wearing, I'm wearing the I'm taking the vest. I'm taking the vest. I'm I'm going to borrow some of Stephen's massive supply of links that he gets given every year at Christmas, <laughs> and <laughs> I'm gonna ch- I'm going to chuck a
2: t-shirt on over the top. That's what I'm going to do. To be fair what? to old oh, Mox, he did pull Rene. I was about to say Rene Zellwicker. He did pull <laughs> Rene Zellwicker with that hair. So, I mean, he, he was obviously doing something, wasn't it?
1: Well, I'm, I'm most fascinated by the idea of Darren Ambrose coming down with Alan Kirbishly accompanying <laughs> him to the ringside. <laughs>
2: <laughs> was that the chart on right winger, Darren Ambrose? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. Got a couple of little spots in the match. I like to start a Dust with this bejeweled ladder, which I quite like to pull down from underneath the ring. I like the spot where Luke Harper is climbing the ladder and Dolph Ziegler's got a sleeper on him. Don't know why I just thought I thought I looked quite good, but you're right about those headbutts at the end. Stephen, like that, I felt very uncomfortable. And at the end of the match, you can see welts on Dan- oh. Daniel Bryan, Brian, all brands forehead, um, <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's a pretty, it's pretty grim. Do you know what I mean? Knowing, like you said, what what happens um, down the line, and it did make me think, like I really, really miss Daniel Bryan. I don't, mm. I don't think, I don't think I like Bryan Danielson. But I really
2: like Daniel Bryan. <laughs> um, I think um, he's the same. He's the same. He's he, but, but 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 probably better booked in WWE to be honest. But yeah, yeah. Uh, and like you said, good
3: babyface win at the end to, to get the yeah. crowd going. Get the crowd going. The yes chance. Get the energy. Start start the crowd off on a
2: high. Quite like this match. Better than I thought I would. Tom, did you watch MJF and Brian Danielson from the from February? No. No. it's such a good match if you've got i know you probably won't have an hour to spare at any point in the next five years in five years time i'm gonna send you that link
1: mm. you never know we may cover it on this podcast at some oh,
2: point I'll watch, I'll watch one anyway so it's fine Ooh.
1: that's not a spoiler we just might just like we might cover survivor series 2003 for example i don't know <laughs> like it could be anything.
2: It, really. it could be anything
1: <laughs> My own thoughts on this match. I was similar to Tom. I, it was better than I thought it was going to be. I enjoyed it more than I did thought I would. Also agree with you both about the Ziggler and Bryan stuff. And this isn't just down the line. This is like the next day or like later than this week. Daniel Bryan stops mm. wrestling because he's got the problems. Did he? Did he say that he lied to WWE about the extent of his of his
2: issues? Yeah, he he hadn't told him he'd, he'd um had a seizure before and concussions. Yeah, he hadn't he hadn't told him that.
1: Yeah, see, I mean, he just, he's, a, this is what, this is, I'm, a, I was a huge fan of Daniel Bryan, like the, the, the year 2013, 2014, 2015, absolutely loved him, and was devastated for him to be, to, for him to retire. But this is the side of Daniel Bryan that absolutely does my head in. And it is the, this thing about putting, like, he just got this, he's, oh, he's just too serious about the art or the wrestling. Just stop it. Just fucking stop it. Stop being a dickhead. Look after yourself. You've got a family. Don't fuck about. Don't be the next wrestling tragedy. Just don't do that. And retire. Like, or tone your fucking act down. Like, yeah. just do one of the two. And the reason why he's so much better in WWE is, like you said, Stephen, he's not booking himself in WWE. He's booking himself in AEW. And he and all he cares about is having matches. That's all he cares about. And that's not interesting to me at all. It's like, oh, let's just put on a load of preseason, pre-season friendlies, and that'll fucking do. <laughs> Because I really want to play against ball. Real Madrid and I really want to play against fucking Santos mm. and fucking who else.
2: So you're going to be ordering Wrestle Dream is what you've just said basically there.
1: Absolutely. I don't even know what that is.
3: <laughs> is, that, uh, is it's it, the show know, he's on, on Seattle, it, it? That It's right? the
2: show that is the Tony Khan, uh, Tony Noki tribute show that he's booked on a day when New Japan have got a show in Japan so most of their people aren't available. Three cheers, Tony Khan, Booker of the Millennium. Wow.
1: One last thing that I will say whilst we were talking about this is that during this match I noticed there is a group of people, sort of first three rows, maybe four or five of them, maybe a few more, I'm not sure. Clearly, Notts County fans. Oh yeah. They're no, no, that's County fans. Sorry. Grimsby. Clearly, clearly Grimsby Town. Yeah, fans. sorry, Grimsby, yeah. And they will they will feature quite heavily in my commentary <laughs> during this show okay. because there is some actual. I've got an angle on this. Don't worry, it's not just oh, there's some Grimsby Town fans. Did you see the the guys? Someone
3: and I could not get the sign because it was never on screen quick enough. Uh, like a slight, someone had a, like a, a sign with like Zlatan on it, and I couldn't figure out what it was. It was it was infuriating me.
1: Right, Tom, it's time for your talking point.
3: All right, I got two talking points, but I'm going to go with one of them because that's how the show works. I don't know why I'm explaining <laughs> this to you. Thanks, um, Tom.
1: That's good for you. I, I did need a refresh. I got to be honest.
3: Um, so both of them involve one. Triple H. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the with the. Okay. So <laughs> I want to talk. My talking point is the what's the cunt's name? Sting finally making his debut what's in WWE. What's the cunt's name? <laughs> I was trying. To, I was trying to remember what they called him. It's, they used to call him something. Yeah. No, they used to call him something in the, in TNA, didn't they? it Wasn't was like the cunt. legend. Well, the, icon. Well, <laughs> the, the icon. icon yeah yeah that's right. like <laughs> similar similar word um so first of all i was really surprised at how early in this in the card this is it's only the third match on the card it starts a lot earlier than i thought and, and i'm gonna kind of gonna i've got to do a quick summary first so at the beginning of the match sting comes out to some really bad drumming which is out of time and playing over his music as he's walking down to the ring and then he has to stand there in the ring for like 10 minutes. This has been
1: Tom Singh for like the last two 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 and a half years since we've been doing this But he's mentioned this about 423 times, and mm-hmm. I knew he was going to get straight into it. And then and then he has to stand there for 25 minutes whilst <laughs> Triple
3: H comes up on stage and fucking wanks off a bunch of T-800s, which <laughs> was, which was,
0: <laughs>
3: um, the, sorry, I think Stephen joke then. He just nearly killed Stephen Coriander. Yeah. And, it's just, and he's just stood there in the ring for like 10 minutes looking like a man who's just like waiting for a bus or something that, that. little just, bit of hair blowing in the wind yeah a well. tiny little bit of gross hair flapping away in the background <laughs> like it makes him look like an absolute loser then the match actually starts and it's not there's not really much to it it kind of is just like it's what you would think from two old farts who can't really wrestle anymore mucking about in the ring but it's quite fun. it's reasonably entertaining and the crowd are into it there's a bit at the beginning that i hate is when sting does his he like no sell something thumps his chest and does the scream which gets the crowd all up for it and i'm all on board for that then triple h use he the heel the heel authority figure let's not forget we're in the balls deep in the awful authority era at this point and he does the dx crotch chop which gets himself over with the crowd which just annoys me because you can't you shouldn't do that you're not you don't mean you're a heel you can't be trying to get the crowd on side with you at that point so that annoyed me sting all of a sudden decides to not sell a few things there is an truly awful spinebuster by triple h in this match as well i don't know if you remember it but it's the slowest thing i've ever seen it was like me when i had my baby was a newborn and i was putting her down in the cot. it's like so tender and delicate then all of a sudden dx come in when sting is getting the upper hand which kind of it gets a bit of a pop and and people like that and then out of nowhere non-completely nonsensically the nwo come out and help Sting, who, let's not forget, are sworn enemies of Sting, or at least, you know, in the if you're talking about the great NWO Sting kind of storyline, they hate each other. And we know that Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, because if you're playing this kind of insidery stuff, which they're, they're targeting this match towards hardcore fans, you know that Scott Hall and Kevin Nash are best mates for Triple H. So it makes no sense whatsoever the match ends with Triple H wins after hitting Sting with the sledgehammer so the wrong person has won because it should emphatically be Sting who wins the match in WWE yet it's Triple H using his influence and power to win the match to nobody's benefit and it's not as if the storyline's coming over because they inexplicably shake hands at at the end of the match and and they have this mutual show of respect and it's so fucking stupid and I really enjoyed it (laughs) I was watching it, and I was like, this makes no sense. This is absolute flannel, hogwash, like it's absolute nonsense. And I fucking was sat there chuckling, like smiling to myself the entire time. It doesn't logically make any sense, but it's a good fucking match that I really, really enjoyed. Yeah, so fair fuck to those two old bastards, because they, they they all all of the old bastards actually. Um <laughs> they, they they all do a great job in it and I and I really, really enjoyed it.
1: Tom just literally plucked the entire review of this match out of my head and put it (laughs) forth for everybody. The last two lines of my notes are flat ending, aftermatch, Triple H and Sting, shake hands, stupid, undeniably fun. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But you are right. It is completely stupid. The whole thing going back to the entrances to start with i was looking out for this because as i said tom you've mentioned it about a million times on the pod it's not quite as long the triple h entrance isn't quite as long as i thought it'd be you know sort of five minutes is, is relatively short given that he comes out with a bunch of terminators and then arnold schwarzenegger appears on the big screen and everything but the problem with it is not this thing has to wait It's that the camera goes to him two or three times whilst this is all going on usually just keep the camera on the thing that's happening and you know we've watched lots of these wrestlemanias with lots of silly over-the-top triple h entrances they never cut away to the guy in the ring whilst triple h is doing his silly stuff on this occasion you're seeing sting and sting equally is looking like a man waiting for a bus i thought that was absolutely (laughs) the right explanation of uh, of how he looks then Not only does Triple H do the crotch job, but he also does this thing when he when he gets into the ring for the first time, gets on the ropes and does his points down rapidly. That's that's one of his things, isn't it now? And he says he, he says the words, my fucking house. And I just thought again, like, come on, this is too much of a babyface type thing. You know, you're appealing. You're, after all, you are in front of the WWE audience, and you are the WWE guy. You can't come in and go, yeah, Sting doesn't belong here. He's an outsider when he's the babyface. It just, it's just stupid, stupid Triple H ego trip. And I think also it's well worth remembering what you said, Tom, because it, out of context, you could very easily go, I think this feeds into why I'm a little down on. I got a little down on this show over time. If you take the show in isolation, it's undeniably fun, big time. There's there's undeniably fun moments. But it was smack dab in the middle of the absolutely atrocious authority era that was never-ending, where Triple H and Stephanie lorded over every single person in the company, talked down to all the wrestlers who were supposed to draw them their money. It was absolutely horrific. And you could watch this match and go, oh, that was fun, and forget that that's what this was in the middle of. And the reason that was so bad is going back to people booking themselves. By this point, Triple H has got enough influence that he effectively books himself, and when he's involved, he is very bad for the company. I hope that as the, the as the person who seemingly is still in charge of creative, at least mostly now in WWE, that he never books himself into the story because if he does, it'll go down the pan straight away because he can't book himself in anything but the most strongest terms, and that was clear for all to see in the one in stings one wrestlemania match in his entire career where triple h beats him and comes out looking the looking the good man as well when he shakes his hand in the end what's that about fucking stupid especially considering what happens later on in the show mm. well yeah undeniably fun and also yeah again sorry Stephen, we will get to you but nwa what the fuck are they doing there if they're gonna do this it wouldn't have been as cool it wouldn't it wouldn't have been like wouldn't have had as much impact but rick flair you know ddp Goldberg, get them three down. Yeah,
2: Vader down there. He was still alive at that point, wasn't he? Yeah. Vader there. Yeah. Luger. Um, Luger, probably. Yeah, I think he was in a wheelchair by this point, wasn't he? Luger, I think. a <laughs> bit yeah. Slightly yeah. slow. I'm glad you guys still enjoy this, and I guess I'm guessing you enjoyed it at the time because I found this so jarring in terms of the commentary. I think this is probably the worst commentated big match in WrestleMania history. Um, It was so bad that I thought Jerry Lawler kind of lost his rag a couple of times with this. He was just because he seemed to be the one that was like, Can we just focus on this? And like, What are you talking about? And the crowd was like eating it up. And Cole and JBL, particularly, were droning on. Someone in the back, i.e., Vince, should have had the sense to tell them just to lay out and just let this be. This doesn't need to be what it is. And JBL, particularly, was awful talking about how we won the war. What exactly did JBL contribute to? The attitude Era. <laughs> literally nothing val venus was more over than this guy and there's loads of other examples of people that are far more over than him you might say he did an okay job in what 2004 as a heel on smackdown fine i'll take that an okay job whatever but he was nothing to do with the attitude of it, like literally throwaway stuff and nothing tag team. But that all said, in you know, I, I want to think about this match in the in the stadium. This was it was unbelievable water wall fun. Even the ridiculous, as you said, the Terminator entrance for the the heel Triple H and all the stupid stuff that he did. And I didn't even, I wasn't even that bothered about the finish. I was a bit shocked in the moment, but actually later it kind of became clear when they were going. So yeah, I thought this was um, just yeah maybe this is the one to turn the. Job commentary on, and not have to listen to Cole and JBL.
1: Well, there's literally nobody on screen who was with WWE during the Monday Night Wars that did less towards winning that war than JBL. Yeah, you know, Jerry Lawler, Michael Cole, Triple H, the entirety of DX, all of them did more <laughs> for the, for the WWE than JBL did. It, and also, what's his face is down the road, Carlos Cabrera did more for WWE yeah. during the Attitude Era than, than Bradshaw. <laughs> Do you want, I wondered
3: this for watching the match? I was wondering if this is the biggest crowd that Sting's ever performed in front of. Apart from All In. Apart from All In, yeah. Up uh, up until that point. Yeah. Then I'll rephrase that. But things career? All- I don't think he was. I don't no. think so. No. I've watched the Dark Side of the Ring. I don't remember them mentioning Sting in it. The one thing I will say is that I I wonder if like next week we'll find out that uh, All In was like
2: 10,000 people. <laughs> Tony Khan's fucking bagged off his head, just making up random numbers, isn't he? He did That's come it. out. Um, I don't think this was on the, I've not got to, I've not watched the end of it, but he did come out to announce the following year's show and he was out of his mind. So I don't, I don't think that was on the thing. No, Sting was not on. I've got i I've got a, um, a confession to make. When I tried to type collision in Korea into Google, I typed collision in Korea as in someone's job. So yeah, obviously not the best. Uh, he wasn't of... there. He wasn't no, there.
1: No, I can tell, I can, I can uh, confirm.
3: Was he at Collision and Career?
2: He was. He's was at the job centre.
1: A lot of this stuff is just really, really fucking strange. But what can you do? It was fun. It, let's be honest. It was. Uh, fun. Yeah.
3: And, and actually, to answer your question, Stephen, I hated this at the time. Oh, did you? Like, okay. I couldn't yeah. I couldn't get past all that stuff. I couldn't get past it. But now I've got more pressing things on my mind. <laughs> I think I didn't bother <laughs> me as much.
1: Something I forgot to mention as well, actually, because I I really. I watched this product, religiously is not quite the right word, because I didn't actually want to do it. But I was in a position where I felt obliged to watch all of Raw, all of SmackDown, all of Impact at the time, in fairness, every single week. So I was really familiar with the product, and I hated the product, like absolutely hated it. Because also, I didn't like it anyway, but then forcing myself to watch it too didn't help that. And so this this fed into an overall thing I I felt, as, as I said, in the days after the show about it, because Triple H winning here... And the treatment of Sting, but also going back to Daniel Bryan, even the positioning of Daniel Bryan. So forget his issues with injury and stuff. Daniel Bryan had headlined the previous year's WrestleMania. This one he sort of relegated to the opening match, a, a ladder match with loads of other people that are going nowhere basically. I mean Stardust. I mean come on, our Truth. They're not gonna, they're not going anywhere. And it just felt like such a come down. It, re- it really felt like a real come down in terms of where he was and his position on the show and. and and that that kind of bothered me as well. So and I, and I tied that all up in my head and unfairly, I think, but with Triple H again, because on screen, that's what he was doing. He was such a know, like, a, he just cast shade over everybody. And it just felt like that was all connected. It wasn't, but it did felt like that way at the time. Right. I think we'll cover just a little bit more, because strangely, this show's only got seven matches on it. It's a really strange number for WrestleMania. Very short in terms of the numbers of matches.
3: Well, while you say that, it made me, I was going to bring this up at some point later on, but the match matches total up to about an hour and a half of a four yeah. hour show. It's mad that it's that that little amount of wrestling on the show. And there's that little amount of matches. It's really, really strange. Maybe we can yes. get into that
2: a little bit later. Don't I really find noticed that. Sort of jarring. Watching it this time, I didn't feel on the night actually at all.
1: So the show begins with America the Beautiful, sung by Alex, uh, sorry, Aloe Black, mm. who's introduced by Lillian Garcia. Lillian Garcia secretly angry that she didn't get yeah. the gig again. Um, Aloe Black does an a cappella version of America the Beautiful. Decent, yeah. a little wobbly at the end, but relaxed. Nice. He has got a little bit of the creed about him as well. Oh, I didn't if, that, you know that.
3: So he's no. like, oh, hey, can you see? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's really, really bright, and he's squinting like fuck, and he's got some sunglasses like tucked into his open shirt. <laughs> and I was like, come on, Aloe. <laughs> like, you don't want to be able to see that. I thought it was good. What I didn't like is that he didn't really seem to appear to try to do any hit, anything that he can't hit. Do you know what I mean? I don't think he's a particularly great vocalist anyway, Aloe Black.
1: What I did like, and I, have, I quite like this in singers in general, is if they seem like there's no effort going in to what they're doing. I'm a big fan of that kind of just that feel either when they when you watch them or just in the when you're listening to them and you, they just sound like they're not pushing their voice too far. I really like that stuff. Then the intro video is on LL Cool J does the narration and I appreciate this style. A change up of the style finally i said two weeks ago i was getting fed up of the fixture that was the wrestlemania intro video it was the same every fucking time talk about the history a little bit about the matches and then boom and it's always like the wrestlers talking and like oh i remember when i did this thing and i uh, fuck off right because <laughs> i'm I'm over it now I'm completely over it but this was much better oh hello cool Jay, just talking I'm walking around the screen, I was like, all right, this is, they mixed it up, I'm, I'm pleased. And it was it was far more enjoyable for me than what I'd seen the previous two, three, five, ten WrestleManias.
2: Yeah, I thought this was great, actually, to be fair. Yeah, and he,
3: did anybody know? He said, oh, it's not a Byron Paxton, because I'm not authorized to deliver those. <laughs> but do you know that L.L. Cool is the person who coined the phrase goat terms no. the greatest of all time that everyone uses? So it was him, he referred to himself, the tr- and I think it's the song four three two one he refers to himself as the goat. And I think that's the earliest Mention of that, and then he did an album called The Goat as well, which I remember at the time finding hilarious. Be like, ah, ha, ha, goat. And then <laughs> now it's everyone uses it. So there you go. Hello, lots of tech references in the uh, in the uh, opening video as well, which I thought I quite liked. I mean how we're all connected, and then re- relaying that back to the uh, WWE universe, which I thought was quite clever, considering it was in Silicon Valley.
1: It was at a time when we weren't all completely jaded by the map technology that's in our lives sort of still on the cusp of enjoying it rather than being like this fucking thing is killing us all (laughs) it's the the worst thing that could ever happen to us before the
3: musketeer got involved in twitter and started mucking around with it oh fuck
1: off cunt right um not you tom
3: you
2: sting
1: (laughs) yeah yeah the 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 cunts the tag team the (laughs) cunt cunt versus Um, cunt (laughs) no that's going to be zuckerberg against musk isn't it
2: yeah yeah Um,
1: Commentary team for the show is Michael Cole, Jerry Lawler, and JBL. Then we get the first match of the night. So we've already talked about that afterwards. JBL goes on about farm animals with Brian having won the match. It just goes on and on and on about it. Then there's a tap out advert featuring Roman Reigns, Alicia Fox, Dolph Ziggler and Charlotte Flair. Tom, you're very excited by that.
3: Well, for a start, I think it's WWE legend Alicia Fox. I think oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's a full title. And the, the thing that I find funny about this advert is this Roman Reigns is really sassy pose at the end when he's holding up like a big weight with his hand on his hip. And he looks very like he's about to deliver some a real harsh cutting quip to someone about their hair or something.
1: And then there's some video hype for the next match. Clips of Randy Orton's past as the expected future of WWE and winner of multiple honours. Then the Seth Rollins turn on the shield, alignment with the authority and gradual fallout with Randy Orton. Then we get Seth Rollins, Kane and J&J security taking out Orton. Orton returning and pretending to rejoin the authority and then taking his revenge on Raw against Rollins. Any thoughts on the video package?
2: I just remember this storyline being absolutely terrible. Like they built it up, built it up, built it up, and then they just made friends. I know we all knew Randy was going to turn, but it just didn't need that extra element of it. Just hold off a few weeks and let Randy come back. But yeah, apart from that, it was what it was.
3: Well, I, I, I must apologize to the listener as well, and to you too. Although well, Tinky's not got sensitive ears, and I don't know you that well, Stephen, but I think you'll be fine. But it's going to be a very cunty episode, I think. Because my, <laughs> my note says, this video tells the story of a cunt and someone who's a bigger bigger cunt. Therefore, we support the guy who is a cunt, but not as much of a cunt as the other cunt, is my, my notes. And it's like, they do this all the time. It's like, just because someone is more of a dickhead than another dickhead, they're still a dickhead, or a cunt, or both. I don't know, but like it's just—it's so lazy. It's so lazy when you get one heel turn on another, and then therefore by default the other one's a baby face. It's an absolute weak crap storytelling yeah. from WWE.
1: No, I totally agree. Randy Orton's been a dick for 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 ages. We're uh, we're just gonna get everyone behind him now because Seth Rollins turned on him. Basically, he's such a he's such a prick that not even the other heels like it. yeah exactly exactly this then is followed by randy orton versus seth rollins which is a match that goes for 13 minutes just over and ends when orton hits an rko and uh, seth rollins goes for a curb stomp and orton counters with the rko gets the pin stephen what did you think
2: my significant other had a mild to medium crush on mr rollins back then i can see why he was such a he was a bit of a specimen then whereas now he's just a bit of a not very good on twitter not very good in the ring there was a forgotten curb stomp reversal in this where randy Orton went for a power slam out of an early time which i thought was really really great and obviously no one remembers that because of what happened at the end i thought it was a very wwe style match uh between two featured people you kick out of my finisher. i'll kick out of you bit of yours bit of fuss on the outside um inoffensive this was Good, I guess, uh, but not out of this world until the highlight reel and and great arcade everyone's seen at the end. I do think that on the night, I had a conversation with my now wife, and she reckons that she predicted that Rollins would end the night as champion. And I think, I'm not sure she did. But I think I feel like the fact that Rollins lost made me think that somehow he was going to win the night as champion, albeit I don't think anyone thought it would be the way it did. But this kind of foreshadowed it a little bit for me. I thought.
1: Yeah, so, I think there's a there's a natural booking rhythm, isn't there? Which and a, yeah. a well worn trope, which is you're setting up his next opponent.
3: Yes. So sadly, this is not the sperm entrance which i was hoping for <laughs> and i think that might be i think you might have that next week to look forward to tinky but keep an eye out for it randy orton's got red trunks on in this match and there's one moment where you know he, before he does the rko when he kind of gets into what you would call maybe child's pose to say yoga pose and starts thumping the mat with his with his hands there is an awful camera angle from behind and it's all bollocks <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> my God, it's, it's there right there. You can see Randy Orton's bollocks so clearly. It was terrifying. I thought the match in itself, though, was, was pretty good, actually. Two people who I do not have really any time for uh, put on a match that I enjoyed a lot more than I thought I would. It doesn't go overly long. It starts off a bit slow in the way that most Randy Orton matches do, but it does tend to speed up quite a bit towards the end. As you said, Steven, there's lots of kick-outs of of, of finishers, and that is kind of rife, actually, throughout the entire product at this time. Happens quite a lot on this show as well. But the curb stomp reversal into the RKO is absolutely spectacular. The one thing that annoys me a little bit about it though is that Randy Orton's obviously really pumped after it happens. He's like, yeah, fucking come on. and then oh shit, I've got to pin him. And I just <laughs> wish that I wish that he didn't do that. It, but the the problem is I'd have got carried away after that, I think, as well. So I can't really blame him too much. That's the one little blemish I have about the about the finish. But overall, this match was pretty good. I just I'm so fucking glad that J and J Security aren't a thing anymore as well, because I hated J and J Security. And not just in a oh they're the heel security team for the for the babyface champ later on it would be. But it was just because it was such a lazy, it so lazy as well around this entire period, just relying on them to basically win matches for um Seth Rollins after this. So I'm glad that's I'm glad that's gone as well. But overall, good.
1: J and security were the best thing about the other the authority. <laughs>
2: I quite liked the, them too. Actually. They were
1: the most bearable thing about the authority. Yeah. Everything else about it was fucking awful. And I was just I was glad they were around because they were the best thing about it. Not to say they were great, because the whole authority was fucking dreadful. But I liked AJ Security for that reason. This is really good, this match. I did say at some point in the past that this match is only considered good because of the end. I take it back. This is a really good match. They're very, very good. I agree with you, Steven, it's a shame that the other counter gets forgotten because that is equally cool. And also, I, I completely understand why Randy Orton got excited after doing that because they pulled it off. Like he probably yeah. had some nerves that they weren't going to be able to pull it off well, but they pull it off perfectly. And it just so it looks great. And yeah, so I can just totally imagine why he's he's excited. And, and we've talked about now the first three matches on the show. So the ladder match, the Randy Orton, Seth Rollins match, Triple H versus Sting. And undeniably, all three, I think, were really good. I think you've got a really decent three matches there. I want to go back to our fans of Grimsby Town in the third, fourth and fifth row, because here they do my favourite thing that they do over the course of the night, is they hold up their sign, which says, Linnell John Lewis, his name is a shop, which is a great chant from the time. Linnell John Lewis um, set to, um, what's the song? Sloop John B? Yes, I think so, yes. They're now john lewis yeah John great great stuff brilliant love that love that chant and so really appreciate that sign they will take a heel turn later on in the night don't worry but we'll we'll get to that <laughs> one other thing where they basically signposted that they were going to do the cash in at some point at the end not necessarily in the way they did it but at the very beginning of the match michael cole reminds everybody we should keep in mind that Seth Rollins is Mr. Money, in the bank, Mr. money in the Bank. Everyone should keep in mind what that could mean for later on. And then Jerry Lawler explains what me- being the money in the bank, Mr. Money in the Bank means. So I guess for those people who don't know, which is possible, they are absolutely doing the groundwork here to make it clear that this thing could happen later on. So that really did signpost it. But I couldn't say that I noticed at the time, but then saying that I did probably didn't notice any of the commentary at the time. Right. I think we'll. Take a break there. We've covered the first three matches of the show, so we're we're pretty much on schedule. We'll be back afterwards, and we'll cover the rest of this show.
0: It is great to be here at Levi Stadium, especially with the new Intercontinental Champion, Daniel Bryan. Congratulations, Daniel. Oh, thank you very much. So, how does it feel to be the Intercontinental Champion for the very first time? I mean, it's incredible. I mean, uh, Daniel. Congratulations, my friend. Oh, thank you, Pat. (laughs) You're the best. You're the best. You deserve it. You're a hard worker, man. I really appreciate you. Well, thank you. You're the one who pioneered this title, so thank you very much. Thank you. Aw, that
2: was sweet. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel?
0: I mean, I, I... Every time I think I got all the answers, you're changing the questions. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, hey, Roddy. <laughs> How you doing? Congratulations, Daniel. What a great match. You know, that ranks right up there with the one Randy Savage and I had. And as the Macho Man would say, whoa, yeah. Thank you, Randy. Yeah. Yeah, now, yeah, how yeah. does it feel having all of this? Oh, Daniel, I knew you had it in your brother. There's not, there's not much left for me to say. Listen, Rick, I think there's probably one thing that people would like to hear one you way. say. I was hoping you would say that. Woo! <gasps> woo, woo, woo! Woo, woo, woo! Woo, 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 woo! Woo, 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 woo Congratulations, man. I can't think of a better representation of the Intercontinental Championship. Boy, I just wish there was one word that could describe the feeling. Oh, I know you're going with that. <laughs> yes! 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 Yeah! Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes, yes. yes. Come on. Are you on?
1: Okay, so welcome back to the show. So we've covered the first three matches, but there is a little bit between the second and third matches we haven't covered. So I'll just go through that. Not that it's you know, that that important. We get WWE Total Control Takedown Play Set Figures advert. Mm-hmm. More cynicism from the old men about the action figures of the more recent times that we had last time. And then we see Ronda Rousey sat in the front row of the crowd. She's also with the other four horsewomen, I believe. Shayna Baszler's there, and mm. Jessamine Duke is she one of them as well? Yep. I don't know who the other one
2: is. Yeah, I don't remember either. Is Sorry, four woman.
1: Paul Roma. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Paula Roma, yeah. Rugged,
1: yeah. rugged, smelly Ronnie Garvin.
3: <laughs> Speaking of a Roma, JBL on commentary at one point says that he doesn't sweat because they're saying that it's hot there, and he's That's saying right. I don't sweat, and I was like, no. Like, oh. Prince Andrew. Prince Andrew, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. Good to know. Two great men have got something in common. Yeah, yeah. Yes,
1: yeah, so then we get the video hype for Sting and Triple H. Triple H saying, For twenty years I eat, sleep and breathe, WWE. Then a clip of him attacking people and doing things that seem unfair. <laughs> That's all I've written. I was like, I don't want to fucking I don't want to go on about the authority again. Um, it, doesn't,
3: it Doesn't mention the fact that you quite regularly ruined WWE so. as <laughs>
1: well. And especially at WrestleMania, the main events of such. Sting comes in as a vigilante. Steph then cuts a promo on Sting, which is typical of Stephanie, like Mm. basically cutting the legs off of everyone. Triple H comes out, but Sting faces him down. One thing about the whole feud I did like, and it's forgotten now because much like AEW All In meant nothing days after the event had taken place. Survivor Series... 2014 the main event of that show is so good and features sting's debut that is the best thing sting did in wwe was Mm. that entrance
3: and is it in the same way like the best thing sting ever did in wcw was
2: really not do anything
1: sting draws when he doesn't speak and doesn't wrestle basically
2: That 2014 Survivor Series, I remember the next day, I I turned on WWE Network and the Survivor Series banner was a picture of Sting. Yeah. for fuck's sake, you joking? Like, that's ridiculous. Mm. So, yeah, spoiled, unfortunately. I was
1: lucky enough to have watched it live. Yeah. It was quality. So then we get Maria Menounos backstage. She interviews Daniel Bryan. He says it's amazing to be the Intercontinental Champion for the first time. Then Pat Patterson congratulates him. Then Piper does too. And then Steamboat also congratulates him. And then Ric Flair shows up and woos a lot. And finally, Bret Hart shows up and congratulates him. And then they all do the yes chant. Then Ron Simmons turns up. And when Menounos asks if he was ever IC champ, he says, damn. <laughs> Great stuff. Brilliant. Brilliant.
3: <laughs> brilliant stuff I so I'm not gonna lie I fucking hated it though when Ricky Steamboat turned up and he goes let's not forget I won the Intercontinental Championship against the great macho man Randy Savage oh yeah and I was (laughs) like this disgusting he did he
2: said whoa yeah actually Yeah, whoa, yeah. yeah, the famous Randy Savage catchphrase, whoa, yeah, it's horrendous. But then when Ric Flair comes up, he's there chatting, little
3: chopped steamboat. <laughs> it was brilliant, it's absolute comedy gold. I thought this segment it was great.
1: I'm possibly the only person who noticed this as well, though. But Ric Flair comes before Brett, which means Brett's more important. Yeah, yeah big time. <laughs> you
3: were the only one who noticed that, mate.
1: I'm so petty about this sort of thing. You <laughs> would have bugged me so much if Brett Brow- had come out before Ric Flair.
2: <laughs> also, Maria Menounos managed to get get through a segment on WrestleMania about shitting herself, which was nice as well. So. <laughs> so
1: next there's an advert for Mountain Dew kickstart energy drink. Lovely. We then go live to joint base Lewis where National Guard people are watching WrestleMania. And then we have the next match as a tag team about Paige and AJ Lee against the Bella Twins, a Six minute, 40 second contest won by Paige and AJ Lee. When Paige throws Brie into the still steps, AJ applies the black radio to Nikki in the ring and gets the win. Tom?
3: I'd forgotten how truly dreadful AJ Lee's music is.
1: I was like, this is so bad. I like it. I like, I it. like it. I like it. I yeah. like it. Yeah. I, th- I think it's awful. I think it's really, really, it, it really is, bad. It is, if it was a song, a song completely separate from WWE... I would think it was awful, but I've heard it so many times and it, it's, it's a little earworm. I, I can't help it. I like it.
3: Really, it just creeps in every now and yeah. again. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
3: The lack of a crowd reaction when the Bellas come down is absolutely extraordinary, I find. I was like, I just I couldn't believe there was, there was no heat and there was no reaction to them at all. Nikki Bella, I think, though, may be my MVP at the night. So I think she may have been a bit of a trendsetter for people wrestling in Jordans because I was like, I not know, fair play. There's a sign in the crowd that says, Nikki, I'll give you a baby, which <laughs> made me think of... It's just a weird thing to do. I'll just find a baby and give it, give it to you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not sure. I'm not sure that's what he meant, if I honest, I think
3: it was. Oh, speaking of which, that's something I wanted to mention, actually. I was on um, e-wrestling news the other day, and there was a truly bonkers headline from someone who I think is an awful man, which is uh, formerly Brodus Clay, saying that if he saw a trans child swimming, he'd, he'd just nick him. And I was like, What? So you can delve into that one if you want. But anyway, it might have been him. But even even in this match, I mentioned it earlier in regards to the Randy Orton um Seth Rollins match, the kick outs, finishers in this one. I think um AJ Lee kicks out of the rack attack, which is like in this this which is effectively a nothing match. Even this you're doing false finishes on. And this is when the card starts to go downhill. But my favourite bit in this entire match, possibly even the entire card, comes when Paige absolutely fucking wangs brie Bella into those ring steps it was <laughs> unbelievable because i just think she was like oh just f- 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 fuck off and it was like oh it was amazing I yeah i didn't think this match was very good uh, there was no real reason for it to be any good there wasn't really any context provided as to why it was happening it's kind of the last kind of probably it's got to be one of the last like diva matches isn't it, or diva era matches I, I suppose um, before um, Stephanie came in and saved women's wrestling as we all know she did <laughs> so yeah but I thought this match was, was okay for what it was but I didn't think it was very good it was not going to be very good and I'm looking forward to this is probably my last match of this style of, of divas wrestling that we're going to get it's, only, gonna... it's green shoots that's what I'll say
1: well I'm going to take umbrage with the, the divas label here because this was for me the start of it, it already going to be honest I think that between the bellas and I, I think bellas deserves some credit for this and AJ Lee and Page in particular who came in and put on some better performances this was the this was the green shoots and it had been for about a year I think page debuted the year the day after wrestlemania the year before and it wasn't good it wasn't like a, a high quality but they were definitely definitely getting traction in terms of taking themselves more seriously or being able to take themselves more seriously because wwe were willing to book them a little bit more seriously and certainly Page Paige and AJD in particular were getting a crowd reaction that wasn't about, oh, here are the hot women, or, oh, we don't care because here are the women. It was more, we actually like these people, we're interested in watching them wrestle and, you know, do play out their stories. Maybe the reason the Bellas weren't over was because of the atrocious U-turn WWE did the previous year with their fucking program, when Nikki turned on Brie mm-hmm. at SummerSlam when she was facing Stephanie in another what I considered, again, probably unfairly, a burial of Daniel Bryan when Daniel Bryan wasn't even able to be around because he was injured. They, Yeah, she turned on her and then they didn't go anywhere with it and and they just put them back together out of nowhere. And it was one of the most atrocious things on WWE television for a long time.
3: Do you know what I remember, I haven't thought about that match since it happened, that Stephanie versus Brie match. Brie was fucking over as well. Yeah. Like over as fuck in that match as well, and everyone wanted her to win. I've got mad. to be
1: honest, I'm I'm much more confident they won't do it. But that was what came to mind when they use it when Jimmy turned on Jay at SummerSlam was like fuck another twin thing which they won't know how to resolve and they may just end up botching the end of it. I didn't really I really didn't want them to do that and I don't I'm not don't think it was a good idea. But I think ultimately that's what it brought to mind was that Bella Bella turn.
3: You guys have already kind of spoke about this, I think, on a previous episode. But I, I genuinely think that that decision to have Jimmy, Till or Jay is the worst thing they could have possibly done. And I think I think that's an even worse booking decision. I'm sorry, Stephen, but you're not going to like this. But then having Cody lose at WrestleMania, like I think Steven
1: Stephen won't like this either. I'm absolutely now convinced there was absolutely the right thing to do to have Cody lose. <laughs> <laughs> I heard what you said on uh, Pro Wrestling Moments. But the, the proof's in the numbers, mate. The numbers have been through the roof. And I yeah. think and I think the title adds to that. I don't think you water it down by having someone else have the championship. Well, I
2: don't think he's about the title, is it?
1: No, but that's not the point. The point is, is he's the champion. He's the focal point of the company. That's why it draws. Like mm-hmm. it, it would be less of a draw if he wasn't the focal point of the company. Plus, him being beaten for the first time at Money in the Bank, like being pinned for the first time at Money in the Bank for like four years, allowed them to then go to the title match at SummerSlam.
3: Yeah, it that just, is true.
1: In every way for me, it's it's made sense. And as I said on the fantasy booking episode, I don't think they're in the mode of who's the guy who's going to beat Roman Reigns. They're in the mode of how long can we keep Roman Reigns on top, winning matches, drawing, because that's what he's doing at the moment.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think WWE is in a really hot period, but I, I still, well, I still maintain I think they could have done everything just about the same way and had a more... Interesting but why? Main event what was the
1: point? Just just to give Cody well, a at WrestleMania? That's that's not good enough. I reason. think
2: that I think the thing is that if you if you you don't have to do any of the Seth Rollins stuff. I think you, with Cody as champion, you've got you've got the featured belt in the promotion, a real title with some real lineage, which is on, and you could have that on pay per views and build up. But the, the bloodline story stays the same. I mean, the proof of the pudding will be in the eating. If depending on what happens at WrestleMania, whether the Rock's there or whether he's not, and I don't see it as being a thing that you have to do roman and the rock and it means you can't do roman and cody the same weekend i I don't see that at all i think you can do both i know how i I would do it but
1: but the point is i don't get the obsession with going to cody like i I know that i know that he's popular and i get that in the build-up to wrestlemania he he was really over but ultimately i don't i just feel like everyone's distracted by oh cody has to do at some point when's he going to do it like he doesn't have to do it they never have to go that way
2: well, no, they don't have. They don't have to, but there's Roman's got to lose at some point, and he's beating everyone.
1: This is the thing: he has got to lose at some point, but that could be three years from now. He only he's oh. only defended the title four times, I think, this year. There are enough people in WWE to give him feed him opponents for the next three or four years, no problem. Especially if they build people along the way. If and again, if they do get to a point where the ratings start to dip and numbers start to go down, go to Cody straight away. You're fine. That's there mm. for you, it's waiting for you whenever you want it. But you don't need to do it. Any, anytime soon or anytime specific you could just wait until you have to
2: I do think that I I, and I think this is gone already I think the specialness of a Roman Reigns title defense you had against Drew McIntyre you had against Sami Zayn you had against Cody is gone you had it against Jay as well I didn't see that I didn't see the title ever changing there in a, in a million years and I don't think we'll get that at Crown Jewel and I don't think we'll get that if he defends the title at Royal Rumble either but we can we can
0: agree to I, disagree I'm not
1: to say that I thought JSU might win but we still got the specialness. I still felt like it was a match of people genuinely when they watched it were desperate for Jay User to win. Were invested in him winning. Really wanted him to win. And that's because and Stephen, you've obviously belled out after WrestleMania, the television between the the bloodline has been sensational all summer. It really was sensational yeah. all summer. Until they had Jimmy turn on Jay. And that was yeah. the point where it, it they, yeah. they, they I,
3: I've checked out a little bit at the moment as a result of that. Can I also say one, I think, I'll well, quickly talk about current products. i tell you something that's really, really annoying me. Again, I'm not really watching, but based on what I read and match reports stuff thats that, is that you've got Gunther as the longest running Intercontinental Champion. or Roman Reigns has held the belt for fucking ages. They've created a, obviously, this world championship, whatever it's called, the heavyweight championship, to make it like the working championship the one that gets defended with fighting champions such and so forth and Seth Rollins has held it the entire time now I know it's not been massively long but I can't help but think if you've got your main title being held by a dominant person who's not going to lose at any time I don't think they I personally think they should and as you're likely to be defending it more often it should change hands a bit more often doesn't it matter
1: it me but it does uh, I think- because
3: I don't like Seth Rollins so. I, well that
1: might be the problem i think to be honest this is what you usually do with a new title is you don't you make the first champion a little bit longer than you normally would because you're trying to establish a title in any way i I, look, I would happily them not have that title i don't think they need it i still don't think they need it regardless yeah. of roman reigns or cody Rhodes being champion i don't think they needed it at all at any point so i i don't think as any you know i think you're right Stephen. i think they think they need it because roman reigns doesn't mm. defend often enough i don't think they do i don't see any issue with the wwe title only being defended on tv or on pay-per-view five times a year That's I, no no, I, I don't
2: mind that, especially in an no. era when they're not selling pay-per-views. I I hope they unify that title back again whenever whenever they get to what they're going to do. Maybe they will do that. I don't know. I mean, perhaps that's further down the road. But I, I I I can't see Roman Reigns ending WrestleMania weekend as champion. I really can't. But I could I could be way off the mark on that.
1: Well, you might be right. You might be right. But I, I and I don't I wouldn't be against it. I, as I said before, WrestleMania 39. I I was I felt Cody Rhodes was the right person. I felt he should have beaten Roman Reigns. But as we've come away from it, I felt less and less that that's the mm. case. I think Cody, to be honest, to me, Cody Rhodes feels a bigger deal now than he did before WrestleMania. But that's just to me because I just didn't see him as a as a as a top guy in WWE. I just didn't. But now I kind of do. I think the programmer Brock has really enhanced him.
3: I wonder if that would have made a difference if he didn't have that long layoff. You know before because obviously he, he had what this three matches against Rollins, didn't he? Then did his pectoral, was off rages came back at number 30 in the Wumble. R- Wumble, he he run the Wumble and then yeah, he yeah, had his championship match. And I wonder if like he might feel bigger as a result of what, what would have happened, how he would have been booked between the last Rollins match and then the Rumble would have made him perhaps even feel even bigger at that Maybe. stage.
1: I think, I think ultimately for me, what I am eager for them not to do is. I want them. I feel like we're in a place where Triple H and the creative team have got just a little bit more, just a little bit of something different. They've got something else going on. The booking rhythm is different and it's much more to my taste than what WWE did before and that makes me feel like it's possible they won't do the obvious thing which is to have Cody Rhodes against Roman Reigns again in the main event of Wrestlemania this year and I would be happy for them to play that story out in two years time have Wrestlemania 41 be the night Cody Rhodes beats Roman Reigns if that's what they want to do but don't I just don't want them to go back to it I just find that to be too easy too WWE to be honest from my from my tastes and I think though that this might be the reason why they've introduced the world heavyweight title is because if they are going to go back to Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns, they don't want Cody to win the Rumble again because it would just be exactly the same then. So mm. they need some, the Rumble, someone to win the Rumble and face whoever the World Heavyweight Champion is so that they don't just repeat the same thing they did last year. Anyhow, let's get back to WrestleMania. Yeah, what show are we, what, 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 well. we talking about again? <laughs> dunno, dunno. So AJ Lee and Page, yeah, I, I just think, going back to their match, yeah, I just felt like they they were the start. AJ Lee, Page and the Bellas were the start of women's wrestling being a little bit more serious. And yes, they were then, you know, obviously augmented massively by the entrance of Charlotte Flair, Sasha Banks and, and Becky Lynch later that year and then Bayley the following year. But they were the start of it. And I thought this was all right. It wasn't great, but it was it was all right. It was fine.
2: Stephen. I couldn't remember the finish. and was surprised AJ got the win, given that she was about to leave the company. Should I would you like to hear a very unsavoury chant that the crowd in San Jose aimed at these ladies the following night, or three of these ladies the following always, night. Always, So the crowd in San Jose at Raw chanted to Nikki Bella, you suck Cena. They chanted to Bree, you suck Brian. They chanted to AJ Lee, you suck punk. Um, but then afterwards, they did chant Let's Go Divas. So obviously, they were a progressive lot in San Jose <laughs> that night.
3: And um, how long did it take? the crowd to sing along with you when you started
2: this chance (laughs) (laughs) i did not i did not start the chance there was an amazing thing that happened that night because michael cole was was destroyed by brock lesnar and someone updated his wikipedia afterwards and it was like michael cole whatever year 2015 was murdered by brock lesnar and it stayed on there for quite a while (laughs) so it's really good
1: the other thing that was weird about Nikki Bella at this time, she was a heel most of the way. But it was this was the big big, big issue with the total divas is that she was married. She was obviously with John Cena, weren't married, but they were together, and everyone knew. everyone yeah, like it was part yeah. of their basically part of their product that John mm-hmm. Cena and Nikki were together. But she was a heel. It's like this is ridiculous. It doesn't work. You've got to be- like you don't have to have interlinking stories, but at the very least, you, you if you're going to make it them such a central part of your of their show. You've got to put them on the same side of the aisle. Surely at hmm. the very least. Okay so then after this is advert for WWE. For the hero in all of us. So why are WWE advertising themselves. On their own products? <laughs> yeah aren't we amazing. Look at us. Yeah,
3: yeah go on and watch us. What I am. <laughs>
1: <laughs> then we get a tail of the tape. For the WWE title match later on then and this was a big moment right you might have missed it after this jerry lawler sat at the announce table had his mountain dew bottle open he mm. hadn't taken any swig of it but he had it open I, It did it didn't look touched in any way but it was open it was as if he was about to drink it
3: my goodness you love mountain dew don't you tinky
1: yeah i haven't had it in a long time then you can get mountain dew energy over here but look. you can't get proper mountain dew
3: oh really no, that's oh, that's a shame. A shame. The At this point, I've got a note that says there are still over two hours to go and we've only got three matches to to, to watch. How is it going to take this long? And I the testicles went back up inside me a yeah. little bit at that
1: point. You shouldn't have thought about that too hard, I would suggest, because no. uh, it wasn't likely to come out in a good way. We then got the twenty fifteen Hall of Fame class highlights, the Bushwhackers, Larry Zabisco, Alundja Blaze, Tatsumi Fujinami, Rikishi, Connor the Crusher, Mihailik, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Randy Savage, and Kevin Nash were the inductees for this year. Not a bad, not a bad class. Two headliners though, I'd say, Kevin Nash and Savage.
3: I think that Kevin Nash being a headliner is a fucking disgrace.
1: I agree, but I guess he's there. Savage isn't there. Yeah. So
3: But the, the other thing was what I will say is I'm very confused by Arnie being in there, other than to you know, cross promote Terminator of Genesis, which I believe was the film they were they were promoting at the time. I really wasn't sure why Arnie was in it, and I quite like the fact they had a little iPhone in his in his pocket, like a pocket square of a suit jacket. Like, he deliberately put it. He was like, "Fuck, I've got a pocket square I was, phone <laughs> in the pocket." <laughs> but do you have any idea, like, what he ever ever really had any any real involvement in in WWE before this?
2: Not apart from knowing some of the guys and probably some of the guys trained with him I've no idea, no, I don't think so at all yeah, Yeah, very straight choice this is clearly just a tie-in, isn't it, for the film Someone during the Bushwacker speech at the Hall of Fame got a Nintendo DS out and started playing a game. I looked actually earlier on <laughs> on my Facebook to see if I could find a photo of it. I'm sure a photo exists, but I can't find it, unfortunately. But yeah, that did happen.
3: Oh, there's also some bloke in the crowd with a GoPro attached to his head. At this point, I noticed, which I was like, how weird, how weird that is. Like, would you want to go? I want to watch this again from my own perspective. through <laughs> my own eyes. Yeah, exactly. It's weird, very weird.
1: Then we get an advert for WWE 2K15. And then some video hype for Rusev and Cena. So we see Rusev beating Cena at fast lane after delivering a low blow. Rusev criticising America and saying Russia is better than America. Cena cutting a patriotic promo challenging Rusev. Rusev rejecting the challenge. Then Lana effectively gives Cena a title shot at Rusev because Cena has wrapped Rusev up in the STF. I mean, as painful as that must be, I don't understand where that means that it's official that John Cena and Rusev are facing each other just because somebody said that they would have the match. Surely we have to have a signed document of some kind to make this official in any way. Anyway, that was always nonsense to me. And then we get this match, Rusev coming out to the Russian national anthem with Russian soldiers and cannons and Lana coming out with the US title belt rusev comes out in a tank there's a bit of stalling while they prepare cena's entrance i thought but it's not it just they just they just stall for no reason nothing happens for cena's entrance
2: they were waiting for the ghost of ronald reagan but he didn't come out oh god that entrance like the scene of video is just like
3: so it's like it's like a very american thing but they've got like who have they got on there i've got a list the ronald reagan barry barrio as i like to call barack obama um george w bush michael jordan Martin Luther King in a very pro uh, America video package. After them are cunts. Like, like Ronald Reagan, Reagan is shown to be an awful human being.
2: Like what? Like what? There's and lots he's of seen. terrible stuff with criminals in the 80s and stuff, wasn't there? And,
3: and well, yeah.
0: drug
2: stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and he, he's like fo- featured heavily in it. Mm-hmm. It's like a bastion
3: of great Americanism. It's bizarre. Really weird. Rusev coming out on the tank. What a fucking man that guy is. <laughs> Like, oh, it's amazing. And then, not only after the Russian national comes in, his music kicks in, which is amazing as well.
1: Hang on, hang on, hang on. That sounds just like uh, Dean Ambrose's tune. (laughs) Hang (laughs) on.
3: Ah, oh, this is tremendous. I'll tell you what, and we'll go into the match, I'm sure, but old um, Rusev's goatee is proper filth in there. It's proper, was, it, was his name Beppe Demarco from Extenders? Yeah. Like,
2: <laughs> filth on it. Grant like, used to beat him up, didn't he? Because he was always sniffing around Tiffany. Yeah, exactly. And, and honestly, like, it's proper greasy,
3: horrible, mucky horrible little goatee on Rusev. Go on, Rusev.
1: Yes, Rusev versus John Cena. This is the match for the US title. It lasts for just under 15 minutes. John Cena wins when he hits the AA and gets the pin. Tom? Imagine Rusev's
3: massive in this as well, in This stage as well. He's just an yeah. enormous man. And like, all I could think about is imagine trying to go like shoulder to shoulder with him for, for a football, like in a five-a-side match, and how you would just bounce off him because he's probably so dense. It's an absolutely enormous man. He hits a wonderful spinning heel kick in this. It's, all, it's almost as good as Viscera's. Like almost, but not not quite as good. There's some pretty big anti Cena rhetoric, even though it's a pro USA crowd in there, which I thought was quite quite interesting. And then there's a massive let's go Lana chant during the <laughs> match as well, which was which is also great. I actually thought she added quite a lot to the match as well on the outside. I thought she she added to, to a bit of the drama in the match. The match in itself is actually okay. I, I thought it was all right. Um Cena's second rope bouncing back, well the Cody cutter effectively but into a stunner that he does is absolutely awful though It it looks so bad and it's quite a fun match like I thought Rusev looked generally quite good in it, yeah Cena wins with an attitude adjustment and to be fair to him the pop is actually quite big at the end of the match as well. Overall this this match was was decent. It's not one that I'd go back to watch again. I'm sure it's not going to end up on your dirty little listing key. But <laughs> it was it was good. I just I do kind of wish that Rusev won though, because They built up this kind of this unbeaten streak and it could have really have done something for him. But as it's kind of gone to prove on for the rest of his career, he's not actually that great anyway. So I don't know how much that how much um, momentum he would have got from a win
2: retrospectively. But yeah, decent otherwise, I thought.
1: What do you think, Stephen?
2: Um, It was really time for something serious, actually, at this point in the show, because I hadn't really appreciated what a lull there'd been um, from the end of Sting versus Triple H with the music and the Divas and the Hall of Fame stuff. Uh, WWE had the opportunity to make several people on this night. And in the end, they picked one person. That person wasn't Rusev or Bray Wyatt, as we'll talk about later. Uh, And Cena had plenty left at this point. Uh, The US Open title challenge was a big highlight of Raw during 2015. So I can't say this was the wrong decision of him winning. Uh, but I I struggled with this. I think on, the, I enjoyed this much more at the time. and I've enjoyed it when I've watched this probably a couple of times. Uh, but I found this to be quite boring for long periods. And I thought the crowd got into it a bit more towards the end. But it didn't do a lot for me. And I don't think this has aged all that well either.
1: Well, I mean, especially given that Russia is now what it is, it's, it's even uh, more difficult. And Rusev being from Bulgaria, probably... It's probably also extremely worried about yeah. Russian influence in in East mm. Europe. I didn't think it was a great match. I thought it was a bit. It was it was passable, but it, it wasn't. There it wasn't much to it. I, I didn't, and I didn't like the John Cena one. I I know what you're saying, Stephen. I do I do get it. I get why he won, and I think they they probably made the right decision. But ultimately, it's one of those things where I said. I think on WrestleMania 28 and possibly on WrestleMania 29 that we are at a stage where WWE have become far too reliant on the dwindling numbers of part time stars that they have got available to them. And they desperately needed some people to get over and get over for. And I think this is a this is a thing, even though probably as wrestling fans, we don't realize it. There is a WrestleMania crowd. And that crowd probably tunes in once a year. In fact, I was probably part of that crowd for three or four years in between sort of 26 and 29. And when you tune in once a year, all you know is who's done something at WrestleMania. Hmm. So if you have Rusev win this match, you could still have John Cena win a match the next night and take the title back. The people who are chewed in once every year will then think of this person as someone more important. It it's, sounds a bit silly, but I do think that's a thing. I, I do think that's important. And so I feel like they, they really needed to have Rusev win this match because they did need new stars. And to your point, Stephen, they did have a chance to put a number of people over. And they do put, well, I don't know. I don't even know if they do put the one, even the one person over, but we'll get to that. But... Rusev looked as good a prospect as anybody they had for that. And Tom, I, I know, I know what you're saying. I mean, he's not been, a, he's not set the world on fire. But I think when you're in this position, like Rusev is, and like Bray Bray Wyatt was the previous year when he went into that match with with John Cena again, you don't get over very often. It's hard to get over at a big level, and it takes a lot of work. And when you've done it, you don't want to squander it. And they squandered Bray Wyatt the previous year with his loss to John Cena, and they do it again here of Rusev. Regardless of his overall quality, the guy's over. You play it through, you know. Use it. You get the value out of it while it's there. And no doubt, after this, Rusev was never more, never as important as he had been. And that feeds into and probably one of the reasons why Miro Rusev has never been as important since, regardless of his move to AEW. So we then get an advert for WrestleMania 32 in Texas. And just as a little plug, we'll be covering that in two weeks' time. Of course we will, WrestleMania thirty two. And uh, one luck. I one I am absolutely dreading, by the way. <laughs> I will say I've ever seen it. I will say it now. WrestleMania thirty-two was the reason I stopped watching for about three years. So that should give you some uh, opinion of my expectations for that one. Yeah, Tom, we didn't watch it together again. I actually watched that one at home on my own. But it was yeah, it wasn't good. It was long. Fucking hell, it was long. Okay. So then we get the WrestleMania kickoff panel hosted by Renee Young with Titus O'Neill, Corey Graves and Booker T. We see highlights of the tag team four way title match. Cesaro and Kid versus the Usos versus New Day versus El Matadors. And in that match, Cesaro pins someone for the win. did not catch who it was. There's also then footage of the Andre the Giant battle royal with Big Show last eliminating Damien Mizdow. Remember the Miz and Mizdow? This is how they decided to do their breakup on the pre-show of the card.
3: I think I was in Paris when WrestleMania 32 happened, uh, which is why I didn't watch it. Thrilling for everyone to know. Lovely romantic time, I'm sure. I was at Disneyland with all my family, and my wife was there, and there may have been some romance. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there was, to be fair. But, um, yeah, lovely time. Lovely time at Boyle. Great time on Space Mountain. And that's was, not a yeah. metaphor. That is the thing you had know, agreed to in
1: <laughs> There was uh, There was romance back then. That's when you weren't wearing bluey T-shirts. That's, that's <laughs> true. Yeah I,
3: know. yeah, I know. That's the effect of that romance, isn't
1: it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Ms. and Mizdow. So I was talking earlier on about how fucking rotten this product was at the time. Miz and Mizdow was the most entertaining thing on <laughs> television. <laughs> yeah about three months leading up to this WrestleMania. They did this to break them up. And then I think it was like three weeks after WrestleMania, they put them on a non-advertised match on Raw halfway through the show. Miz beat the Miz, Damian Mizdow to stop Damien Mizdow from using the Miz name. And that was the end of it. Mm. Absolutely criminal. Terrible.
3: It booking. was, it was, I remember watching, watching him just like selling the Miz getting punched yeah. outside the ring. It was so funny. funny. <laughs> I bet Matt hated it. And that makes me like it even more.
1: Yeah, if he turns around next time and says, oh, I really liked it, you'll be like, Oh, well, it's all right. It shit, I want Fuck, shit. <laughs> so here comes the big angle, guys. <sighs> Triple H and St- this is I've got about a page on this, so strap yourselves in. Triple H and Stephanie. Have, right?
3: I'm having a little nap. It's gonna have a little sleep, here. Yeah, okay.
1: You're just you're just elongating it now. Come on, Tom. Triple H and Stephanie are introduced to the live crowd to announce that seventy six thousand nine hundred and seventy people have attended for a new Levi Stadium record. Stephanie talks about WWE success in general says that the success would not be possible without her and her husband, Triple H. Triple H says that beating Sting felt like beating all the WWE fans as well. So this is after he's shaken the hand of Sting. He's now given more shit to him. And also, Tom, you're right to pull faces because he's a WCW guy. You 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 yourself established this by saying this is my fucking house in the fucking match that you just had. Anyway, he says he's owned Sting. He owns all the superstars and divas and he owns all the fans. Says the authority always wins, which is true, which is why the fucking product was so fucking terrible. They are then interrupted by The Rock. The Rock is very over. He says that Triple H doesn't own the people and they don't own him. Rock says Triple H has two choices. Either he can go back and dress up as Terminator again or they can create a WrestleMania moment right here, right now. The Rock and Triple H stare each other down. Triple H says he has nothing to prove to the Rock. Rock says Triple H left his balls in Stanford, Connecticut. Steph then stands up to the Rock and says that without the Mamans there would be no Rock. Rock says she wouldn't be in power without Vince's Johnson. Steph slaps him and then rails at him and tells him to get the hell out of here. Rock backs away and leaves the ring. He then walks around to the area of the ringside where Ronda Rousey is. The fans chant for Ronda and she steps over the barrier and she and Rock return to the ring. The fans are loving this at this point. Rock says he'd never had he'd never hit a woman, but he has a very good friend who'd be happy to. Steph says that Ronda is her friend and a fan of hers. Steph says that in the world of MMA, she never messed with Ronda, but this is the squared circle. This is her ring. She tells Ronda to get the hell out. Ronda then says any ring she steps into is hers. If she wants her to leave, she'll need to make her leave. We haven't quite finished. Sorry. Bear with me. Steph demands that she gets out of the ring again. Rock says he just has to tell Steph what the look that's on Rousey's face means. And it says something about Rousey playing jump rope with Steph's fallopian tubes. Triple H tells the Rock that that's the last thing he says about his wife. Rock agrees. It's the last thing he says. And then he attacks Triple H. Rousey does an arm drag on Triple H, then Steph and Rhonda have a little bit of nothing, which culminates with Ronda throwing Steph out of the ring. Bit long, ultimately pointless, but I thought still fairly fun. Tom, I love the oh, look of your face, so let's go for it. I hate
3: this. And this is going to be my other talking point. I hate. I found this whole thing so boring, self-indulgent, absolute nonsense. The, the one highlight of it is how happy ronda rousey's mates or how excited ronda rousey's mates get when she gets in the ring because i don't think they knew and their reaction is genuinely like that of incredible excitement but it's so long it's like half an hour long i think and it was I just found it so bored. And I, I remember at the time watching it and hating it. I think that might have been part of the reason. I don't think I watched any wrestling for the, the next year. And I think that might be a big reason why I'm sure I had some downtime when I was in Paris and I didn't watch it because so I was like, I'm not going to fucking watch this shit because it's rubbish. And it made me really dislike The Rock. And never want to see him again in in the WWE ring. And then the fucking cunt came back this week. And I got all excited again. So that was annoying. But it was just... I, I just hated this segment. Like you said, it built to nothing. It didn't build to a match. It was more authority. Doing authority stuff. The Rock being really self-indulgent. Not really saying anything at all. During the entire segment. And just... Yeah, really, really hated it, and, and it's so, so long. If this was maybe on an episode of Raw, it probably wouldn't have bothered me as much, but the fact that it was on WrestleMania, and I'm not I'm not all like, you know, okay, Matt is like, oh, I need the I need the best wrestling at WrestleMania. I don't necessarily subscribe to that, but I just felt it was overly long, and especially during that segment prior to the last match where we had no wrestling whatsoever for ages to have another overly long segment where there's no wrestling at all. I just, I hated it then, and I still did. Watching it again. Wow, I loved it.
2: Sorry, (laughs) all right, John Terry. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, John Terry. John Terod. John Terod. You're not a MasterChef guy, are you? No, sorry. I don't want to be called John Terry. Of all things, it's the most (laughs) offensive thing you could call me. Yeah, I really loved it. I um. I just thought it was you know, you know this was incredible the rock turning up was and again I'm, I'm I'm, biased on this like this is this is my memories of this happening at the time the rock turning up was a genuine surprise yeah. the Ronda stuff was unbelievable and the way they filmed it was so good where they kind of like you, you could hear like a smattering of the crowd but obviously not everyone in the crowd could see what was going on and then Ronda was revealed it was so good. And Ronda just had this aura. It was a bit like a bit like Mike Tyson had before, you know, the troubles. He had this sort of before aura. what happened in Ireland. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> before Mike Tyson went to Ireland and couldn't decide which side he was on. Yeah, before Mike Tyson's quote-unquote troubles. Just, just this, and I guess probably some, somewhat afterwards as well. But Ronda just had this just incredible star power that she had for a long long time afterwards and actually they were trying to set up they were trying to set up this tag match for the following years wrestlemania though you know and we eventually got there without the rock at what wrestlemania 34 and it took a long time to get there but there are too many moving parts ronda was still contracted to the ufc rock was Perhaps if Ronda had done it, Rock would have done it. But they didn't get there, but I thought this was solid gold. I thought Stephanie was great. It, as you said, it wasn't very WrestleMania like. It was more of a kind of TV segment, but the crowd ate it up. And I thought, you know, this I, I really, really, really like this. And this was I remember on um, being in bars and stuff the next day, and this this bit and the end of WrestleMania was on SportsCenter, so they kind of got it. You know, they got what they wanted from this. It was the big you know, Ronda was a mega star. Hi, little highlight clip it looks really good fun. And they achieve that. I think there's the possibility of there being a really good segment in there, but it's just too long. That was the that was my problem. It's longer than any match on the show. Yeah.
1: I liked it. I I thought it was fun. I I did, and I found I found it fun at the time. I found it fun watching it back now. Give me this rock over WrestleMania 27 rock, any fucking day. That fucking rock was so bad. This was a league apart from his performances at WrestleMania 27. And I, this, I think this embodies for me my issue with the show. Though, is that there's a lot of fun on here. It's a good show for the night, but it's terrible. Like in terms of the way it's, how do I put this? It's a really complicated thing to try and articulate. WrestleMania Thirty. This is why I got. On, I said at the top of the show, there's people who like WrestleMania Thirty, and there's people who like WrestleMania Thirty One, and. Obviously, there are people like both, but let's pretend that they're not, because they, they are different shows. Even though the Daniel Bryan thing was kind of a, mis- not a mistake, but a kind of accident, a happy accident, that was a well-built babyface journey to the world title. They, WWE weren't to know Daniel Bryan was going to be incapable of continuing to wrestle after winning the title, so built a new star for the future, effectively in Daniel Bryan, made arguably the biggest star in, in the business at the time. This was a show which was Leaning on old people who come back from years, having who are only able to work one one night, a, a one night a year. It was about strange surprises, which we'll get to later on. It was about people being put over, like Bray Wyatt losing to The Undertaker, John Cena beating Rusev. It, it just felt like, for me, it feels like a a very good show, but does nothing for the company in, in the long run. And that's that's always been my issue with WrestleMania Thirty One: is that it it kind of it almost. Sold out the future to go back to the same tired part time guys already really tired two or three years before. And I and and that's really my issue with this show. And this embodied it for me. Was, oh, The Rock and Triple H are going to have another match. Great. Stephanie's going to get in the ring again. Fantastic. Oh, isn't that amazing? Don't get me wrong. I'm the one advocating for The Rock to come back in next year's WrestleMania, nine years after this. But on this occasion, oh, The Rock's going to face Triple H. It's a bit different if he faces Roman Reigns. That's a bit different. But Triple H, we'd seen it all before. Get the Ronda Rousey was a massive deal. But as you said, she was still with UFC. It wasn't likely to happen. No. And on top of that, on the off chance that Ronda Rousey might be able to do it at WrestleMania 32, they had Sting lose. It's one WrestleMania. Yeah, actually. That's, true. H. that's true. You know, all of this stuff just doesn't, it just, it, for me, it's just a, it's a, it's a show that's good when you watch it. But when you really think about it, it is actually damaging overall mm. to the product. That's the, that's the reason why, as I w- went away from this show, I liked it less and less.
2: I'm not sure I agree with that, actually. Ben. Okay. I think that we won't skip ahead to the main event, but I think coming out of the show you've had two people made, I think more than they were going in and I also think you had the interesting thing with Brian and Cena as the as the two underneath champions, which is quite interesting but I do, I do all that said, I do agree also with what you're saying in that this was a a bit like WrestleMania 28 was, there wasn't much wrestling on it. And it was like, uh, we're just going to give you this and you're going to really enjoy it. But actually, a lot of the stuff that's in it is not necessarily stuff that you're going to be able to see or is going to be really focused on going forward. And some of the people that have got to a certain level are going hit, to hit the ceiling and they're not or we're not going to move them on, if that makes sense. So there is there is certainly elements of it, but I'm not as low on it in terms of creating something yeah. more as you are i think
1: no and I, I think i think it may just be a perception thing i just it just feels like a lot less of a considered show mm. WrestleMania 30 for me feels like a very tidy baby face champion wins at the end of the night is the top star in the company they've clued into this phenomena that was daniel bryan during this period and he's the champion and we go home and it's wrapped up it's lovely this show is fuck what do we do now what oh shit we got oh brock lesnar's going to be out of his contract i know We'll get to that later on as well. Is all that stuff going on with Brock Lesnar's contract? There's all the stuff with Sting, and what do we do with Sting? And there's all this, uh, just, we've got Steph, Seth Rollins' money in the bank, but he's still got hold of and he's had it for like nine months. How do we deal with that? It just feels like a lot of stuff where they just like, oh, we haven't got any plans, and we've thrown some stuff together and thrown at the wall, and it just so happens to be really entertaining.
2: Here's a question for you, and this obviously we can't go back in time and change things. Do you think WrestleMania 30 would have been really, your view on WrestleMania 30 would have been really negatively impacted? If they'd done, if Brian had been Kofi Kingston by Lesnar at SummerSlam, because I believe that was the original plan, that the Cena loss would have been Brian, I believe.
1: Yes, I believe that was the original plan. In a squash, yeah. I don't know if it would have impacted it because I hated the way that it ended anyway. Okay. You know what I mean? Like I think he had his one title shot, title title defense against Kane in, in the Backlash or whatever, Extreme Rules or whatever it was that year. And then it was done and it was over and afterwards it wasn't like the authority then let him just go away and and be they then buried him on television yeah Yeah. you know and i was like it's basically the same thing if Brock lesnar thrashed him at SummerSlam, probably would have been better at least they've got a great match out of it yeah
2: i suppose yeah
1: anyway we move on because next up is the hype video showing the undertaker's history set to johnny cash's the man Mm -hmm. comes around which they've got the Bloody rights for this one. Then Lesnar defeating him at last year's show. Then Br- Bray Wyatt talking about Taker in the build to WrestleMania 31, set to some shitty Nickelback-style bollocks. Um, <laughs> says he wants to take his rightful place among the gods as the new face of fear. Taker returning, at least his voice anyway, on rule, and vowing that Bray Wyatt will rest in peace. And of course, that's a bit unfortunate given what's recently happened with Bray Wyatt passing away. But that's what actually happened, unfortunately.
3: Um, my note on the video package that says, the video package has a dreadful song in it that Matt probably loves.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be the Nickelback piece of shit. But it I sounded believe... like Nickelback. It was not Nickelback, but it sounded like him. But I believe that
3: Man Comes Around is the opening song on the Johnny Cash album that we recommended, he listened to.
1: No, it's
3: not. Is it not? No. Is that on another one then?
1: Oh, I, well, I assume 3, so, but it's not on American 3.
3: four. I loved Bray Wyatt's entrance with the creepy scarecrows. I thought that was very atmospheric, and I did wonder to myself. And you can both, you'll both know this. Was there ever a period where the Undertaker wasn't ever over, really over? Are you maybe Dead Man Inc. Dead Man Inc. That that last bit before he gums back to being the dead, you know, the proper Dead Man again, but. I, was just, I don't know it just occurred to me he's like the guy have the record for being the most over career
1: I can't really comment on that period when he was Dead Man Inc and all that stuff because I wasn't really watching so I can't tell you if he was over or not but I don't think there is to be honest I don't think there is a time when he wasn't considered by the fans as one of the more important parts of the show each night
2: he's never been over with me <laughs> <laughs> no that's true uh, what he quite liked in
3: this match is that there's some early you still got it chance when the Undertaker does something and I bet that really annoyed him. I hope <laughs> and it I, did. Yeah, it made me chuckle because I was having like, to be like, fuck you, man, i still got it? Of course i still got it. I'm the Undertaker. But I must admit, this this match didn't really do anything for me. There's some more kickouts to finishes again. And the match wins when Taker hits a tombstone on Bray Wyatt. And, and what I wrote um, on a match that never really got started. That was, my, that was my comment on it. And Undertaker looks really annoyed when he leaves the ring. Like he knows it wasn't a very good match. And that was my thoughts on it, really. I haven't got many more notes than that, to be honest.
1: 15 minutes long is all it was as well. So a pretty, uh, pretty short well, one. No, I agree with you. I, I wasn't a fan of this match. I'm not a fan. I watched it this time. I was like, yes. Again, passable. Like the cena Rusev match, just about passable, but not really up to much. Certainly, the, the peak Undertaker years are over now. Okay, They were over the previous year. The Lesnar match, I mean, don't be me wrong, it was an amazing surprise, but the match wasn't that great. But by this point, yeah, we're done. There is no more legendary Undertaker left that that run is over what is also over is the grimsby fans time as baby faces so here we go <laughs> during this match they may have shown this sign previously but this was the first time i noticed it and i remembered it from the time and it all came flooding back so going to take you on a little bit of a journey here so uh in 20 20- Previous year, 2013-2014 season, Bristol Rovers had been relegated to the Conference for the first time in their history, Mm. and were taking up residence in the Conference alongside Barnet and, yes, you guessed it, Grimsby Town. Now, there were three teams that season vying for promotion from at the top of the Conference. They were Barnet, Grimsby Town, and Bristol Rovers. And one of the people in the Grimsby group of fans has a sign which says Barnet and Bristol, LOL, town are going up. Now, oh. to be honest, I don't care about the, the, the sentiment here. That's not really my problem, although... We'll get to that in a second. It's more the fact that he's called us Bristol, which is an absolutely shocking <laughs> behaviour from anybody. It's it is about the most disrespectful thing you can say about either Bristol Rovers or Bristol City because we are there are two Bristol clubs. This isn't like you know Oxford. I know there's an Oxford City, but no one is ever like they've they've been non-league forever, right? Bristol Rovers and Bristol City for their entire history, except for this one year where both league clubs and have been for over a hundred years. So. People should give us our due and call us Bristol Rovers and Bristol City, just like they would for Man United and Man City, Sheffield United and Sheffield Wednesday. You can call other clubs just by their their town or city name because there's only one of them. But there's a, there are two Bristol clubs, so you can't call Rovers Bristol. It winds up both sides of the river. It's not to be done. Back to the sentiment though the The best part about this of course is that that year Barnett ended up going up automatically via the the conference and then Bristol Rovers ended up facing Grimsby Town in the playoff final and Bristol Rovers defeated them on penalties
2: Good, <laughs> I am I hope that guy is so remorse about taking that stupid bloody sign to yeah. WrestleMania and wearing his shit kit. I don't like Grimsby they beat us in the 97-98 uh, League one playoff semi-final, it's so a third tier. So stick up your arse, Grimsby fans. Do you reckon, do you reckon who do you think feels the bigger tit, him or Will Osprey? <laughs> Osprey, that tattoo. Did you see the video? Osprey's like, I fucking can't believe I've got this tattoo. <laughs> like, and he's had to take it down because obviously t- he's, he's expecting a, a big offer from Mister Khan at some point soon. So yeah, to take off something slagging him off, basically. I mean, you should get that. You should get it. Just changed Just have it, I don't know, like a dick put over it or something. something. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> something less embarrassing.
1: I will. I will be honest. Grimsby Town actually deserved to be deserved to be us in that final, but we fucking won. That's all the matter. That makes that it even sweeter. sweeter
2: yeah, oh, yeah. No, absolutely Terrible. there's nothing Terrible. better than a day like robbery in football 100 percent steven
1: what did you think of this
2: i thought this was very similar to, to seeing and Rusev earlier on i thought i i i struggled to stay invested in it i get even more in this one why the undertaker won after last year because you're trying to rebuild something and i guess they tried to rebuild something for the following year where he was beaten but as you said earlier on ben the year for for bray to win was against seen he had to win that match in some form or fashion and they didn't go with him so yeah uh Again, the crowd did come alive during the final stages, but not quite as good as I remember it. And it, it was, yeah, bang average, really.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree in in the sense you said about Bray Wyatt couldn't really win because they had to build him to a back up after, after his loss the previous year. I guess my argument against it would be just don't do it then. Because you, yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. Yeah. You've, you've got to, you really need to build someone here. So just don't do it. So in addition to the Grimsby Town fan turning here, we also get the sun finally setting at the end of this match. Quite a lot later than you usually get for these outside wrestling shows. Michael Cole reminds us that Lesnar re-signed with WWE last week. So this was one of the big talking points going into this show, was Lesnar's contract was up. And that was the thing. Like, It's really easy to forget that at this show going in for most of the build, you had Roman Reigns who were being super overpushed by the WWE to the detriment of their product, because most fans didn't weren't on board with it at the time. And you had Brock Lesnar going into this match seemingly with his contract up the in fairness i think what had happened is his representatives had done a bang up job building up the idea that lesnar might go back to ufc when he had no intention of doing because he couldn't quite frankly wouldn't have been, wouldn't have probably been able to of roids. well maybe and so they did a bang up job and, and wwe gave him load gave him a load of money but i'd said prior to that there was this sort of feeling of what the hell are they going to do roman reigns hmm. is not ready for this yet and lesnar is is leaving so how are they going to get out of this now? I don't know whether that meant that they factored into their end kind of decision for this match in the end and what they actually decided to go with. But by this point, Lesnar had re-signed with the company. And I don't know how long it was for, but he was going to be around for a while, put it that way.
2: I think Reigns beats Lesnar in this if if if, if Lesnar's not re-signed. Interesting. I think yeah, because I, th- I think he has to. I don't think they do the Rollins cash-in. I think the Rollins cash-in was really, really late in the day. Yeah, not to skip too far forward, but yeah, I don't I don't think that happens if, uh, if Lesnar's not signed.
1: So then we get the hype video. Roman Reigns talks about trying to fulfill his potential. It then charts his rise to the top of WWE over the course of 2014. Lesnar says he respects no one. You then see footage of Lesnar beating everyone interspersed with clips of him talking about his success. Footage of sit-down interview from the snowed-out Raw. I don't know if you remember this, but 2015, early 2015. The mm. best episode of Raw there's
3: been the in about 20 years. The best
2: episode of Raw. It was um, so good. It, it was, was so brilliant. good. Yeah.
1: Um, what was it? I, I can remember it. But I can remember hearing about it. What, what happened? Well, basically, they were in... I can't remember where they were, but wherever they were, it got had a massive snowstorm, and they had to cancel Raw, basically. So they... Did Raw instead from WWE Studios, right. and they had a sit down <clears throat> interview with Paul Heyman, Roman Reigns, and Brock Lesnar. They had one or two other things I can't remember. I can't remember any of it now, but it was easily the best episode of Raw for such a long time. Yeah, and that, yeah. Um, yeah, it was. It was just. It was just cool. It was just different. And they it was like they, it was like the reason why Raw became a must must watch television was because they themselves were figuring out how to do the show back in mm. 1998. They were figuring out how to do it, so they were trying loads of shit and throwing stuff at the wall. That was the way they were. They were like, "Oh shit, day of the show, we've had to cancel. What do we do on this show now? We've got three hours to fill, and they just chuck loads of shit in. And it worked. Mm. Yeah. And then they also showed the one of the shittest things oh. ever <laughs> been on Raw which is the tug of war between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar at the end of one of the episodes. And the show ended with them still holding the belt and no resolution. I hated it. I just, it is the worst fucking thing WWE have ever done. Worse than fucking Jimmy Uso turning on Jay.
3: It it was, it was also the go home, wasn't it? So that was the last, the last image going into the match was those two having a little muggy little tug of war with the belt.
1: But they were basically hugging each other because they were right next to one another as well. It wasn't like they each held an end of the title. They were shoulder to shoulder grabbing the corner piece of the front plate each. Oh, awful. You're not going to get
3: good purchase on that. Hold the fucking leather strap bit. (laughs) You'll get much better grip.
1: That's all before Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns WWE title match, which lasts for something like 15 minutes before Seth Rollins' music hits and Seth Rollins comes out, cashes in his money in the bank. Uh, After that point, we get a bit more action where Rollins hits Lesnar with a curb stomp, goes for a second, but then Lesnar counters, going for the F5 himself. But in the process, Reigns comes along and spears Brock Lesnar for a- a- absolutely brutal spear as well. That <laughs> spear is. Rollins then hits a the curb stomp on Reigns and then pins him and wins. I'm, I'm going to go first on this one. I think this is fucking amazing, this match. I think it's absolutely incredible. And I'm going to put, I'm going to say this now. Brock Lesnar, I think, is at his peak at this point. He was the video before the match, the sit down stuff that Lesnar's doing, the straight to camera stuff he's doing is fantastic. He is legitimately brilliant on the mic in a non wrestling way, a non over the top wrestling way. He is just, he feels legit. It feels real. You, you believe him. When he's talking, you totally believe that this is what he is. And, At the time, I might have put that down to this is who he is, but I'm not absolutely convinced it is. What we've seen in the last couple of years with Brock Lesnar's sort of lighthearted sort of character that he's been doing suggests that actually he's not quite that person. He is a slightly different person to that, but he's just super focused and great in terms of doing what he does. And then the match is fucking brutal. I totally believe that Lesnar and Reigns agreed before the match, concerned that, For whatever reason that Reigns would be pissed all over And everything, just to lay it in Lay everything in, make it look fucking Real, and it does It looks brutal all the way through It's a brilliant piece of work I'm almost annoyed That Seth Rollins cashed in his money in the bank Because it was such a good match to that point Mm. Such a great match That if we'd have got a standard finish here I'd be like, it's one of the best WrestleMania matches ever The Seth Rollins cash in is amazing And detracts from the match (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is weird but it is it just is I, I that's 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 the truth yeah sensational stuff at the time I was completely shocked by the Seth Rollins cash in in terms of it being in the match in the middle of yeah. the match you might have expected it to happen afterwards and I think that's going in one of the things a lot of people were predicting is that maybe you know Reigns would win and then Seth Rollins would cash in on him afterwards and of course that was all Built in with the Lesnar potentially not being around because at the time there was still lots to talk about the contract. The thing that I had been going on about for many weeks before this was that the, the ending should have been that Paul Heyman should have turned on Roman Reigns, uh, turned on Brock Lesnar, joined Roman Reigns, and Reigns and Seth Rollins should then have formed a partnership the next night on Raw, similar to the Two Man Power Trip, basically where they were the top two heels in the company and they were running roughshod over the, over everyone else and slowly then built to a match in the future where Rollins and Reigns would face each other because uh, because Rollins would gradually get pissed off at the fact that he couldn't cash in his money in the bank and all the rest of it they then did that obviously three four or five years later when Roman Reigns did finally get Paul Heyman on his side and Brock Lesnar was turned on but yeah Watching about now, absolutely sensational.
2: Going back to what was we said about Brock, I, the, the match took on a life of its own once he'd resign And I, I and I don't know whether you get the Rollins cash in on Reigns. That probably would have been the way they go. But I think Reigns beats Lesnar. I think you. I think if Lesnar's going, Reigns cleanly beats Lesnar, and then maybe you lose the title to Rollins. you would got a slight variation on this. Did you notice Roman Reigns, Reigns' blue contact lenses? Yeah. That's weird, isn't it? Well, Whose call was that? And there's some weird undertones that that's if someone's telling him to do that, which I found a bit, you know, a bit strange. But going back to this, I, I thought there were there was real anti-Roman Reigns venom in the crowd that night. You know, most of the crowds that I've been in for Cena was was more pantomime than anything else other than maybe WrestleMania 22. But this felt really serious, actually, in in, in the crowd. And they th- I thought they did such a good job making Reigns look like such a tough bastard. He took everything that Lesnar could dish out, but not enough for Lesnar to beat him. This was so so different. Um, you know, we've seen this combination a few times now, but this was by a million light years. Um, just to, just j- basically the same distance that Kenny Omega is better than Shawn Michaels. This was above <laughs> all of their other matches. And I thought that this this ending. So you had this booking dilemma. You had let you you had Lesnar. You had Reigns. How do I protect them? How do we, we keep? We're keeping Lesnar and Reigns is not getting the reactions we want. And this was a booking masterpiece. I thought the ending with Rollins was magnificent. And as we said, I think most, a lot of people thought that Seth might end the night as champion, but not the way that it happened. I think the Les, as you said, Ben, I think the Lesnar Reigns match is probably a little bit forgotten or underrated because of how memorable the finish was. So dramatic, so real, so violent. The crowd all over it. The Lesnar kick out from the double spear combo was an outer worldly near fall. Um, and that whole section with the Reigns comeback after Lesnar gets uh, busted open was phenomenal. And this, from re entrances to the end, is the absolute definition of must watch. This might be. I talk about Warrior and Savage, this is not quite there, but this is close to one of the best things from start to finish that has ever been produced at WrestleMania. This was phenomenal. Yeah, I I agree entirely. Now, one thing that I did really catch me off guard at the beginning, there was the
3: negative reaction for Roman Reigns because I'd kind of forgotten about it a little bit. Obviously, we've been so like blood lined up for the last couple of years. that I kind of forgotten how. And it's because his character is awful. Isn't it like the Roman Reigns character this time? I mean, the fact that he still basically got all he, he, he seems like the what the, the the sad mate who can't let go of the past by having the shield entrance music and the the attire and even the same entrance and going through the crowd, which takes absolutely ages because it's such an enormous stadium. I think you're right, Tinky. I think at the beginning they were like, "Listen." Let's kick the fuck out of each other in this match. And they do. Brock gets busted open in seconds on his cheek. Like he gets like a little cut on his cheek and blood's coming down there. There is one bit one bit that does annoy me a little bit about it though, and that's that Brock violates the Titus O'Neill rule by removing his gloves and basically being very naked. (laughs) Because he doesn't have any shoulder pads, wrists and there's so much of him as well. He's such an enormous man that he's he's very, he's very, very naked. The hard way I'm assuming it's hard way busting open when, when um Reigns kind of goes into the into the, the ring post. I know he said ring piece then. Um <laughs> when he goes into the ring post and but gets busted. Hard, him. Yeah, yeah, very hard way. And bloody as well. Hmm. And he ends up yeah, bleeding and that like you said, the the, the, the near fall after I think it's two spears and four Superman punches at this point. I would. I remember watching at the time. Be like, well, there we go. Then that's it. That's the end of the match. And the the kicker. And uh, he is uh, both both uh, people actually. Both Brock and um, and uh, Reigns. Although Brock doesn't get to demonstrate it as much. Are absolute masters at the late kick-out. Like they're both brilliant and they can get get there right at the end. And yeah, the, the cash in's great. I did the, the one thing that did. I did think about though was that. I found that Reigns getting pinned after one curb stomp seemed a little bit unrealistic considering everything that he'd kicked out of previously. But I guess if you were to kind of count up cumulative damage, then I guess it probably makes sense. But it's a it's a great match that is definitely overshadowed by what is a great cash in and a great end.
1: Well, I'm glad I want to talk about Roman Reigns because you talked about his character and I totally agree. This is my big thing at the time was that you've got this guy, you want him to be the big star. Who is he? I don't know anything about him. I just know that, you know, he's a guy who used to be in the Shield. And I know that because he's still got the same Shield music, the Shield entrance, the Shield attire. The only thing he's got that's different is a colourful chest plate now, which makes him look even dafter. Who is he? I don't know anything about him. All I know, all you tell me about him is that he works hard. That's it. That's all I've got about Roman Reigns. There was never a reason to to cheer for him during that period. On top of that, he was John Cena Mark II. John Mm. Cena's main thing was he was hardworking and could take a lot of punishment. He was just John Cena Mark II. And as I discussed when we talked about Hogan and Warrior and the passing of the torch between those two, this is the same. You can't go to the same thing again. It doesn't work twice. Look at anything, look at any fashion, any trend, You do one thing. The thing that gets big next is the thing that's completely different from that. It's the opposite of that thing. So you go to something different. You go to a different main guy than John Cena. You try and find something new and different about your new, your next main star. And they just didn't. They just presented them exactly the same. And effectively, people were like you you said about the, the, the seriousness of the heat on Roman Reigns. I've always felt like it was with John Cena. There was a sort of. It was an enjoyment of it. Like you said, it was a sort of pantomime, like an enjoyment of we hate this guy. We're going to enjoy hating him. With Roman Reigns, it was like, oh, fucking now we got to do this again, have we? Yeah, that's how it felt to me. And therefore, most of the time during his matches, the reactions were not at the same level as they were for Cena's matches because there wasn't the same energy. There also wasn't the same energy from the people who liked Cena. So with Cena, people hating Cena just entrenched them in their position for loving Cena for longer. I think it was the reason why Cena lasted so long is that those fans that loved him were only more loyal to him because of the heat that he got from a a huge section of the fan base. With Roman Reigns, that wasn't really there yet. That fan base hadn't really been built up yet.
3: I also wonder if people hated Roman Reigns so much, they were like, you know, Cena's not too bad. <laughs> Do you know, I stick? You know I mean. I wonder if, it, if the heat goes so was so hot on on Roman. Reigns. They're like, Do you know what? We actually seem not that
2: bad. I'll, I'll take him instead of Roman. I think, Reigns.
1: I think he needed to go away first, but I think eventually that did actually become a thing.
2: The, the thing that's funny with Roman in in 2015 is they almost got him to a place where it was working. Because it in this, in the, now what, what happened? He won the title at Survivor Series and then sh- I think Sheamus cashed in. I think he won, then he won the title back at, on Raw, I believe. Yeah. And that reaction was an overwhelming babyface reaction to when he won the title the second time. Then what happened was program with Triple H, Triple H won the Raw Rumble and won the title from him and was smashing cross, chop, cross chops out all over the place and Reigns looked like an idiot. And then what, what you got then, Ben, was apathy from, some, from a lot of crowds. And then if you got like a big flying crowd in an arena or something, you get people booing. And really, it was until the match with The Undertaker and that few, where he got a bit more of an edge and he should have turned. I maintain that, you know, the rain stuff now is you, you can't really argue what the, the journey. But if you were in a different kind of different uh, universe, the night's turn was a night after WrestleMania 33 and he beat The Undertaker. And I think by now he'd be the biggest baby face on planet Earth. But you can't really argue with what we eventually got. But yeah, it was it was a weird one because I just think it's like like you say when Triple H booking him booking stuff, you know, it just goes wrong, doesn't it? It's just it just when he's doing it for himself, it just doesn't help other people. But yeah. what I find so weird about it though is I think everybody in their right mind knew that
3: he could be a great heel. Yeah. Do you know I mean, that, that's the thing that's so weird it was it was so painfully obvious that this wasn't working and that he'd be better as hell. There's clips of him in like NXT being a heel and, and he's and he's good at it. He's too handsome. As well, to be that white meat babyface, as well. I'll maintain that as well. Like, I just, I think that he, yeah, I think he, he I think you're right, Steven. If, if he used to turn babyface in like a year or so, I think he'd be enormous. I think he'd be mm-hmm. massively popular as a babyface. Because um, we're we'll probably getting to that stage where people, well, we kind of already are where people want to cheer him, despite the fact that he's dastardly. you still got people throwing their ones up, buying the Bloodline t shirts,
2: you know, they, they love it. It's just baffling how wrong they got it for so long. Yeah. Well, I think the Cena thing, they they felt like that works. They thought we're just going to do the Cena blueprint and it'll work and it didn't.
1: No, because as I said, I think it just people weren't, didn't want that again. They'd had it. Yeah. You know, it was done. The the other thing, though, one last thing I'll say, Roman Reigns also wasn't helping himself. So he he looked lost a lot of the time, I felt, during that period. He wasn't ready for it. He would only been in WWE for a couple of years. He hadn't been a wrestler all that long. He was. He wasn't ready for the superstar that they were trying to put him into. And I'm not saying it's not just about time. He just personally hadn't got to the point in his career or in his skill set or his confidence that would allow him to do what they wanted him to do. But he didn't even things like the interviews he was cutting outside of WWE. So I remember there was a I can't remember who it was with. I think it was with one of the podcasters who were kind of slightly affiliated with WWE. Did an interview with Roman Reigns. And in that in that interview, he said, well, I just do what WWE tell me to do. And. I was like, that's such a fucking stupid thing to say, like in every way, shape and form. Like, first of all, the people who are listening to this podcast are the people that are the core audience you're trying to, you know, the the people who are probably the people booing you, the people you're trying to win over because it's an insider type thing. And you're going out there and saying you just do what... Do. People aren't inspired by someone who just goes out there and does what WWE tells them to do and says what WWEs tell them to say. They want to believe that, first of all, you've got some passion about your craft, and so you're going to go in there and make sure that what they give you is good. And secondly, nobody even... Your casual fan wants to believe that you're just a guy, just like the rest of us, who goes into work and plays the game and sits down and minds their manners when they're talking to the boss and all the rest of it. They want to believe that you're some kind of rogue, that you're some mm. kind of like renegade, because that's what people look for in a pro wrestler. That's what's inspiring. It was just in every way a really stupid thing to say. And either WWE should be in put, shouldn't have been putting him in in positions to do that, or he just needed to smarten up and not be that person. But whatever the case. Mattress phenomenal. Absolute phenomenal.
2: He should have said to himself when they said, can you say suffering suck on yeah, air? Yes. Would Steve Austin say? I think any, any, any babyface in WWE that is a, an up-and-comer, what would Steve Austin do is a good question for you to answer. Now, you don't have to turn on every single one of your tag team partners. You don't have to go as far as that. But most of the time, that's the answer. Yeah, and
1: any wrestler allows themselves to do that isn't clued into the business enough. To be the top guy.
2: Yeah, that's they should how, go and watch all say. of that stuff. Go and watch how Steve Austin got over. Go and watch the, how The Rock got over. Go and watch p- people getting over in different promotions, and then think about it. But you're, but you're right. I mean, that's perhaps that's easier now with streaming and YouTube and stuff. But you can't really make an excuse for Reigns in 2015 for not doing that.
1: No, and well, also like it's not like he's new. Like I'm saying, he was relatively new in terms of his training to the business, but he's not himself new to the business. He know he's been around the business his entire life.
2: Yeah.
1: So. Let's have our ratings out of 10, our MVPs, if we haven't given them, and our match of the night, Stephen.
2: While this was, without a doubt, a 10 out of 10 day for me, I can't say this was a 10 out of 10 show, unfortunately. I did waver a bit in my final rating. Um, as it was a bit of a different show watching and the first time I have ever watched this kind of a crit- in a critical capacity rather than just kind of reliving the bits I enjoyed seeing live the first time um, I do think this was a strong WrestleMania even with the lulls and some of the stuff that didn't hit quite as high as I, I thought originally and as we talked about it the main event was really something for the ages that doesn't get talked about enough I think it was phenomenal I think it's the probably the best booked finish in WWE history and this is the best show I've watched so far on this quest I thought this was better than WrestleMania 28 and as such I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 my MVP is Roman Reigns who I thought put on a career-making performance and my match tonight the night is Lesnar versus Roman Reigns.
3: So in terms of my MVP I think I'm going to give it to I think I'm going to give it to the, um, the I don't know if I've ever done this before I'm going to give it to a specific move which is uh, Paige throwing Brie Bella into the uh, <laughs> into into the ring steps because that was amazing. That was absolutely amazing. In terms of my match of the night, yes, the main event, the triple threat match for the well, the the Seth Rollins defeating Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar in the title match. And overall, I, it's a tough one for me because I think I'm looking down the list of matches now, and there's only one match really that I really really didn't like, and that's the Undertaker versus Bray Wyatt. The other six matches. Perfectly enjoyable to very good, but there's a big chunks where there's nothing really happening. I'm thinking the musical performances, cutaways to video videos and, and stuff like that, and then there's also that god awful bit that I really didn't like with with uh, the McMahon, well, what the Authority and the Rock and Rousey. So with that in mind, I'm going to give this a I'm going to give this a seven, I think.
1: Cool. I'm going to give it an eight as well. It is a really good show. I I didn't expect to like it as much but i really did and i didn't care that there wasn't a lot of wrestling that really did not bother me at all in fact i really liked that the matches were in general 15 minutes like that was that's a good length of a match for a wwe match that's a good length of a match especially when you're dealing with guys like roman reigns and brock lesnar you don't want them in there for 25 minutes you know you really don't triple h and sting the longest match on the show is probably too long for Triple H and Sting, but given the length they went to, they did at least Triple H did at least learn his lesson from years gone by and came up with loads of distractions and loads of nonsense and overbooked stuff because he isn't capable of having a really good twenty minute match in my opinion. I've not since two thousand and one anyway. Like I just I haven't seen him. It just I just have yet to see a match that with Triple H that I liked after that point that was which was that long. That for me there was. No bad matches on the show. There was three matches that were either sort of average, passable. The tag team match, and then the two, the, the Wyatt versus Undertaker and Cena versus Rusev matches. But they were passable, but not very memorable. But the first three matches are really, really good. Orton versus Seth Rollins was excellent, and then the main event is just so good. I think it might be the best WrestleMania main event of all. I like certainly that I've seen so far. I can't think of one that I liked as much as this. I I just thought it was superb. It was exactly the kind of match I really love and it was Lesnar in just full flow and he is my MVP without a shadow of a doubt because he was magnificent on this night.
2: I think it's better than Rock. Is it better than Rock and Austin?
1: I think it is. Probably
2: is. I think it is because it depends
1: which one. The thing is, if I look at the the two that were the main event, I think WrestleMania 17 is spoiled by the heel heel turn I really do. I don't think it quite lives up to where it should be. And the first match I think is their most realized match the WrestleMania 15 one but I don't think it's as good as this I think if WrestleMania 17 hadn't had that end that would probably still be my yeah I
2: prefer that one to 15 but yeah I know what you mean yeah I think it probably is the best WrestleMania main event
1: I I mean certainly to this point I've still got a lot a a number to come and I'm open-minded as to what might come on those but I yeah this was this was special
2: what was the main event of the second behind closed doors show can't remember.
1: Oh, it was Drew McIntyre versus Lesnar, wasn't it? Oh, was
2: it? Okay, I've never yeah. watched that show, and I don't have to watch it on this quest either. So, hip hip hooray!
1: So, where that puts WrestleMania 31, while well, I am pleased to tell you, it's fourth overall, behind only WrestleMania 17, 19, and 30. Those are the only shows mm. that were able to beat 31.
3: Do you know, what? I wasn't expecting it to be that high.
1: No, and I thought I was surprised that you even scored it seven. I thought you were going to give it a lower score, to be honest, before we talked about it, because I knew that you weren't big on the show. Yeah, so it's a, it's a it's a high one, and well done to WrestleMania 31 for getting there. Okay, well, guys, it's been a long one, but uh, I need to thank you, obviously, Stephen. Thank you for your contributions.
2: A pleasure as always. Thank you.
1: And Tom, thank you for joining us today. Adios. This has been the Random Wrestling Review. We'll be back in two weeks time with WrestleMania 32. God save us. Until then, take
0: care.